Welcome to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Nathan Stacking here alongside my good friend and co-host, sports director at KORN Radio in Mitchell, South Dakota. It's Travis Crins. Travis, how we doing? Real good. It's officially fall. Yep. Nice cool temperature for the past week. Yeah. A little bit of rain this weekend and what uh, the 85 here this weekend, so that's fine, I guess. I guess I prefer 85 in October than uh, 85 in July. So, How much know. rain did you guys get? Maybe half inch. Wow. So. Okay, there were... I mean, they, you know, this is one of those things where they were building it up big, you know, a week out, saying, you know, look out. And then when they never give you totals, mm-hmm. you know, it's like, well, this is going to be big. And even, like, we're three days out. Like, well, how much rain are we expecting? And they don't say. Mm-hmm. Some spots got an inch, some spots got a couple inches. Like north of Mitchell got quite a bit of rain. But it's one of those things where we didn't get nearly as much rain as I thought. I thought we'd get at least an inch. And really, we didn't. Comparatively, we really didn't get much at all compared to what I thought, compared to what they were talking about. It was a widespread soaker for much of the state of Minnesota over the weekend. Uh... Uh, certain areas got way more than others. Uh, in St. Cloud, we barely got an inch for the totality of like Saturday through Tuesday. Parts uh, like east, south, and east, you know, in the Twin Cities, they got multiple inches of rain, three or four inches. Duluth and uh, the areas around there got six or seven inches. There were there were three to five inches of rain up in like Ottertail County and. In that area, uh, close to Fargo, so it just depended on where you were. Where St. Cloud was, like we were right in, we were right in the middle of each plate, like each region getting doused with a lot of rain. We we did not get that, which is unfortunate. But at least some areas got it. So we'll see what that does to the drought monitor. Yeah, grass grass looks better. Does, but our, our rivers are dried up, so we, we definitely need that. There's a water crisis in New Orleans right now because the Mississippi River is so low. Uh, it's like, yeah, we, we could we could use some rain. That all it's a trickle down effect, literally, uh, the flow of the Mississippi coming all the way down here. Let's get to some of the big stories here going on in the sports world, and let's just start right now with the biggest sports story. The biggest, sorry, the biggest one of all time. I think it's the biggest story here, uh, in the arguably in the world right now, and that's Taylor Swift appearing at a Chiefs game against uh, between the Bears and the Chiefs at the request of Travis Kelsey. She was there. He caught a touchdown for her. They left. This is this is big, Travis. I can't I can't express how much I want this to work out. I want Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey to be a thing. I want I don't want this to be just some little thing, you know, like fling for her to oh she's gonna sell another album then because of this breakup with Travis Kelsey. This is not what I want. She was sitting in the suite with Mama Donna, and you know I don't think she was. She seemed very friendly with her, so it, it doesn't seem like it's the first time that she's met Donna Kelsey. Uh, there was an after party or whatever after. Patrick Mahomes said he met her there, and she was really nice. Like, this doesn't seem to me to be the sort of thing that 
are just doing for clicks and just doing it for the attention. Now, granted, Taylor Swift has a movie coming out October 13th. Travis Kelsey, of course, is part of the Kelsey documentary. They have this wildly popular podcast, even more popular than ours, which is hard to believe. I know, but it is. Uh, I just, I can't imagine this, they're doing this just for clicks. I mean, for crying out loud, he saw 300,000 more uh subscribers or followers on social media his merchandise sales are up 400 percent like this is monstrous here this is the taylor swift effect and i just pray that this is a like a legit thing this is not just some act i really hope that taylor swift and travis kelsey work out i know i didn't know travis kelsey's podcast i had no idea he had a podcast with his brother until like two weeks ago so that's how important that was to me I don't know. We talked about last week about people going nuts at concerts, and we brought up Taylor Swift's. Yes. And I, I don't know why. They had a football game. They won't say that they're together. It's just very weird. Um, I'm into the ETs. The people like they're they're talking about sources saying like they're getting to know each other more. Like this is not. This does not appear to be. You know, just an act like they're hanging out. They they are liking. They're taking it slow, which is fine. Just got it. You know, take things. But I think it's it's more of the the like you aren't that casual with Mama Kelsey if that's the first time you've met her. Like I, I feel like there would be more there. She was very ecstatic when Travis scored a touchdown. She said, "Let's fucking go." Like this is not something. I think you would be a little more reserved or whatever if this was the first time that you were meeting his mother. I, that's just my presumption here. Uh, I think this is, this is big. This needs to happen here. Um, and I'm very invested in this relationship working out. Are you being truthful or you, are you being full of shit? No, I am, I am being truthful here. This is something, you know, I get on these wildly crazy, um, like limbs that I go out on and just like things that you wouldn't think a normal person like myself would get worked up about. This is something I want to work out. I do not want, uh, I, I, I want this to work out. I think it's in part because my father-in-law likes the Chiefs. I like the Chiefs too as a result of Patrick Mahomes. Travis Kelsey is a very funny guy. I like T-Swizzle. Uh, so like there's a lot of elements here to this. I just want this to work out because I think it would be a dynamic power couple. So, yes, this is not an act. This is something I truly want this to work out. And this is another thing where, like, I don't care about right. any of it. So it's yeah. like, they're going crazy. Yeah. You know, my dad hates Taylor Swift. Why? Why does he? Because Is it because she moved from country to pop? No, because he doesn't think he, she sounds very good. Well, I don't think Adele sounds very good, so that's fair. That that oh, is entirely the fair. Best singers I've ever heard. Taylor Swift, yeah, she Yeah, doesn't like the way she looks, doesn't like the way she sounds, so he hates her. That's and funny. I'm indifferent about her. Yeah, I, I don't know what what why she is like the most popular thing ever. I can't put like she's not like, oh, she's this great singer. Like, no, she's not a great singer. Oh, she's most beautiful ever. No, not really. I, I don't know what, what the, the, the infatuation is with her. She's a very down... She seems to be a very down-to-earth individual. Like, she doesn't... Um, 
she doesn't appear to be a diva and take her stardom for for granted or whatever. Like it, I think it. She's she's a one of the people. It's a maybe perhaps. I don't know. She. Uh, I heard that what she rented out a restaurant for those two. I don't know if this was after the game. Before the game, sometime this could have, this could have been the after party in an upscale like country club neighborhood in in Kansas City. I was like, all right, every apparently she reserved it, and anybody who was there had to leave, or they had their meal paid for or something. And this restaurant stopped taking reservations at some point because they knew she was coming with people. They were prepared for that, so I, I don't know. I, I don't care who she dates. I don't care who Travis Kelsey dates. It's like every every, every night after the news on Kello, there's entertainment tonight at six thirty. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And like you look at these, I don't know, anchors or hosts or whatever you call them. Kevin Frazier, former uh, Sports Center anchor. Yeah, you look at him and you're like, you're doing this? Like, is this fun? Oh, and then you can just the, uh, you know, like, like the opening of what they're going to talk about that night. Uh, we're going to talk about this and this guy doing that and this lady doing this. And we caught a picture of, of Joe Blow at the, uh, out with his dog and wife today. Like, okay, what, what about it? So like, it feels so insignificant. Mm-hmm. Like entertainment tonight. Yeah. I mean, let me look. I know it's it's, it's, it's all ten. Look on their website. I'm sure some people look at sports and say, "Well, this is a waste of time." Exactly. Uh, what what is this about? This. And they look at, "Well, this is stupid." It's truly whatever floats your boat, and uh, yeah. So for some people, well, it's the start. At the this is <laughs> fair enough. Okay, it's uh, entertainment tonight. I'm on their website. One of the one of they got five pictures here. Usher stops mid serene with Gabrielle Union after seeing Dwayne Wade. Ooh. What does that mean? Who gives a shit? Yeah, that yeah. Gwen Stefani shares how Blake Shelton changed her life. Who cares? Well, I think that's probably more so because the voice just started on NBC this week. Another person, someone I've never heard of, skips out on divorce hearing, home foreclosure confirmed. Some lady, I have no idea who it is. Travis Kelsey shares what mom Donna thought of Taylor Swift. I don't give a fuck. Ooh, well, that's something I'm going to have to check out. Um, The big story, of course, Joe Jonas and his wife, soon-to-be ex-wife, Sophie Turner's yeah. daughter, yes. name revealed. Name, we know the name of their six-year-old daughter or whoever the hell it is. Three-year-old daughter. Wow, six years and we finally found out? Like, this, that's... Unbelievable. I mean, this, I mean, this is... Uh, it's, some people like this. I think it's a waste of time. E.T. is the ESPN of uh, entertainment. Like, that. that's where people go to for all this stuff. Like, if you look on ESPN's website right now, uh, McDaniel, Revenge Not on Finn's Mind versus Bills. Uh, Kepka to... The first thing on, there on ESPN right now is Damian Lillard getting traded to Milwaukee. Yes. All right, that's a, a new story, a transaction, a fairly big NBA trade. Mm-hmm. Which we'll get to. Bryce Young, and Bryce Young expected to start against the Vikings. Uh, Mel Tucker stuff. Some golf stuff. Jimmy Garoppolo's got a concussion. 
Like these are things, okay, newsworthy things of, of health updates, trades, uh, sexual assaults, whatever is going on here. But what this we, other stuff is, we now know the, the name of this, of the, of this but famous see, couple's daughter. That's, that's the lead story tonight. That's news, though, to the pop culture and the, to the entertainment industry, to the sports, uh, for the sports industry, the, the, the headlines that ESPN has on here are significant. So it's just, it's a difference of worlds, a difference of cultures. Uh, it's really the only way I can describe it. It's interesting to note, though, that 24.3 million people watch the Chiefs and the Bears game. It is the most watched game of the NFL weekend. Uh, there was a 8%, at least an 8% increase in the demographic for 12 to 17-year-old females and 18 to 34-year-old uh, females. So the, it is a Taylor Swift effect I think it's not a coincidence that though the viewership in those two demographics shoot up when Taylor Swift is at the game and they want to get to know the, the Swifties want to know what is who is Travis Kelsey they want to know like what this power couple could end up being so the NFL is not going to care about this it, the numbers are going to shoot up uh, for viewership and you know they're going to obviously merchandise is already. Uh, Going up for Travis Kelsey, he's top five now in jersey sales as of as of today. Uh, we have, uh, I mean, it, it did overshadow that Usher is going to be doing the halftime show in Vegas. Uh, not that anyone really gives a shit, but like, this is a like the NFL. I'm sure would love to have more people talking about the the Miami Dolphins scoring seventy points, but no, this is this is big. This is significant. Travis Kelsey and. Taylor Swift may indeed be an item. So it's something I'm going to keep a close eye on, and I'll keep you updated as well, since I know you won't be uh, on pins and needles waiting for an update. No. Um, so she, she should do the halftime show at some point. She should, and there was talk about the, doing that. However, the the issue that the I think the there, there's speculation that the NFL was so concerned about people going to the Super Bowl just like buying Super Bowl tickets just for the halftime show that they would then leave and you're taking away the tickets from the NFL fans and it would leave to like a half empty stadium for the third quarter. I think that is a uh, that's the speculation as to why T Swizzle is not doing halftime. Somebody going to buy a $1000 ticket to see her sing for 10 minutes? Yes, because they t yes. Her tickets were going for thousands of dollars on the market. This was this was the hardest concert ticket to get. Now, um, refresh my memory. Who did you guys see in Omaha at Backstreet Boys? Jonas Brothers. Jonas Brothers. I'm sorry. Yes, yeah. The Jonas Brothers. Same thing. No, well, uh, the Backstreet Boys and NSYNC probably a little better than Jonas Brothers in the pecking order. In the pecking order. Current, a current. Uh... Currently, yes. Probably not. But I imagine... That you did not have as difficult of a time landing tickets for the Jonas Brothers uh, as I would presume one would for Taylor Swift, right? Probably not. For a lot of these concerts we've gone to, I've got them on me. I've gotten them, you know, weeks or months later. Like these here, I got. Like as soon as they said, all right, like noon on this day, they go on sale. I was on the site and I was not completely sure I was going to get them. See? And. Yep, and you can only yeah, imagine. I got them, and, uh, yeah, Taylor Swift ones go go a bit nuts. 
Right, but you you can understand then, like how you're going in there and you're like, oh, I'm I'm hoping I can land these tickets. And that's for the Jonas Brothers. Imagine that times a thousand, like a hundred for Taylor Swift. Like that's the that's the that's the draw of her. And you know what? And she's not for everyone. You know, your dad certainly. I, I like her um, political stuff, telling you know people to get out and register to vote, and I like all this stuff. Uh, about her, because you know, got this massive following. She made a lot of cookies that said, uh, go, you know, vote for uh, Biden and, uh, and uh, Harris back in 2020. So I like that. We'll meet her here next year. Um, it's weird, though, like, she's the biggest star there is, but, like, she's not the best singer or, or the best looking or, you know, the best song. It's like, you know, what... It's a bit overboard. I can't. I can't explain why because I don't know why. But it, it she, really, she's the for some reason. It really touched a nerve with members of the MAGA community, specifically Clay Travis and uh, this Nick Adams. I don't know if, uh, if you saw what Clay Travis tweeted, but it was. <laughs> did you see it? No, they they, they get they get offended quite easily over uh, many things. Because many things, but they get offended over. Uh, you know, what's on beer cans? Yes. Oh, that's uh, what it. That's what it was. Travis Kelsey is now a spokesman for Bud Light. He's a spokesman for Pfizer and getting the COVID booster. And so, Clay Travis essentially said he just needs to cut his dick off, become a girl, and and vote for Biden. Like it just doesn't make any sense. Oh, are you that like? And then Nick Adams is some douche from Australia who you know loves Donald Trump, and he says he's an alpha male. He's attacked Mina Kimes in the past, uh, saying like, "Why is she getting paid one point seven million dollars? He knows more football with one finger than she does." Like he just goes after. He's very sexist. He's a terrible, disgusting man. But he's talking about how Taylor Swift is like ugly and just unbecoming. Like he's just. You are so jealous of the fact that the best tight end in football is dating the hottest thing in the entertainment world right now in terms of popularity, and like someone like like you would never even be able to get a girl like Taylor Swift. So I I just don't understand what these Clay Travis and Nick Adams guys think. I I, I just don't understand. It's just to me this is why. We're in the decline of a society the way we are because you have people like this on that side of the aisle that keep doing like we need to get rid of these folks. These folks need to go. And maybe, you know, with the age of, you know, know, we have a lot of issues going on right now with a certain former president. He's got a lot of charges against him. He's uh, certainly a cognitive decline. Maybe eventually that will lead to uh, cognitive declines for these individuals or they just won't matter and they will get off. But this, that's a way for them to get clicks is to say something completely idiotic and stupid and get reaction. And, uh, the, these two are just awful people. So, some of these Republicans are serious, but I feel you like know, these two are just plain characters. You know the the Sean Hannitys, you know all these all these people play trap. They, they're just playing a character. They're professional wrestling talking people. They're still awful people, but they they, they know what's going on. Yeah, but they've got an audience to say stuff about, and they don't care. 
you're still contributing to the decline in America. So that, therefore, to me, well, makes you a little stuff, And I'm just going to make a bunch of money because there's an audience for idiots. But it's, you know, they're just, they're not for real or plain. Like, Trump's a character. Like, he doesn't, yeah, I'm sure he believes some of the stuff, but he knows that he lost. And he knows all of these other things that he says are not true. Um, right, but he, but, just goes, he just goes along with it. But Joe Biden's going to lead us into World War II, that according to Trump. So I think there's a, there's other issues at stake here with, with Trump right now. Uh, and, you know, the fact that he's losing all his business licenses in New York. But that's, that's you can find that on other political podcasts, Midas Touch, all, a bunch of other stuff, a bunch of other sites. We're going to get back to sports here. Uh, so Chiefs win 41-10. This comes on the heels for the Bears. Just an, an all-time embarrassing week for one of the... Uh, a pillar franchises in the NFL. Their defensive coordinator resigned on Wednesday. There's re- reckless speculation and rumors about if the FBI raided his home or the team facility. Neither of those seem to be true. Justin Fields holds a press conference and says that he feels robotic and that uh, in a follow-up it said, yeah, it's probably some coaching. Like, I'm just trying to overthink and do too much. People latch on to that. And then he has to call a press conference in the locker room later on. And he complained to the media that they're just looking for clicks. And it's like, okay, one guy, Dan Wiederer, I'm going to call him out from the Chicago Tribune. He did something that he shouldn't have. Like, he made a mountain out of a molehill. But Justin Fields was truthful in what he said. And it's just how it was portrayed that kind of led to this firestorm. But they had to place a tackle on... IR, like Matt Eberflus is taking over defensive play calling. It just was a shit storm of a day in uh, on Wednesday last week for the Bears' likes of which we've never seen or haven't seen in a very long time. The Bears then throw that sort of performance against Kansas City. And oh yeah, now you get the 0-3 Broncos this weekend who just gave up a 70-burger to the Miami Dolphins. So wonderful things going on with the Chicago Bears right now. The uh, Justin Fields isn't very good at quarterback. Like, we knew that already. Mm-hmm. And this is a team that had the number one pick, and they decided they didn't want Bryce Young. We'll see how good Bryce Young is. Well, like I said last year, Justin Fields, make him a running back. Make him a receiver. I think he could do that pretty well. <laughs> but, yeah, what he, he said what he said. He walked it back. It, it like was when, truthful. I mean, it's absolutely yeah, truthful. It was true. It's like, all right, these coaches aren't very good. I have no idea what the hell I'm doing out there. I'm completely lost. He looks completely lost. Mm-hmm. He's not very good. Quit putting this team on prime time. They're never any good. Even when they are good, they're boring. But quit putting the Bears on Monday Night Football. Quit putting them on Sunday night. It's, nobody wants to watch them. I'd rather watch some lady in a suite jump up and down in the Bears. That's damn right you want that. It's a it's just a poorly run team. It's like how they, how they can go literally a hundred plus years and never have a good quarterback. Like never. And this is why it's so difficult to, you know, jump into preseason hype because there was so much hype around this team in training camp. Like, oh, this offense is going to be great. Justin Fields is going to take that next big step. Like, look at the weapons he has and everything. And I, he has the weapons. Like, DJ Moore is a good wide receiver. Cole Komet's 
pretty good at uh, the pretty good uh, tight end. And yet they, it, Darnell Mooney, good in his own right at wide receiver. And yet they just don't put it. To, they can't put it together. And I think it's because the offensive coordinator is not good at his job. And as Justin Fields said, he's not able to just take the game as it comes to him. He's thinking about everything else that the coaches are telling him to do. And that's not a recipe for success because if you're not just letting the game come to you, you're going to miss guys who are wide open like he did multiple times against Tampa Bay. I mean, it's just like they're not setting they're setting him up to fail and not that like he has a lot to prove anyway. But between those two things, like that's that's a recipe for disaster. He can't. He doesn't. He can't throw the football. No. Like, I don't know what people would see in him. Say, yeah, he'll be he'll be good. We'll turn him into something. No, he's bad. He's he's not going to get any better. It's you know, Chicago. I, uh, it's it's sour. You got to have more design runs for him. He's your best. He's your best athlete. Utilize his strengths. I mean, it's it's. Outside of Mike McDaniel, outside of Andy Reid. Kyle Shanahan, maybe. You like him, Eagles guy, Luke mm-hmm. Sirianni. Yep. Outside of those four, I'd say that's about it as far as good coaches right now, smart coaches, coaches that do things that make sense. Why has no other team done this quarterback sneak the Eagles do? I don't know. Is it that tough? Who's got the good offensive lines? Mm-hmm. Do that. Seems like the Cowboys have a good offensive line. The Cowboys should do these uh, one-yard sneaks. Who else has a good offensive line? Uh, San Francisco does. Mm-hmm. Do a do a quarter. It's, it's, it's what, successful ninety-five percent of the time. Mm-hmm. It's got to be outlawed. This tush push has to be outlawed after the season. Why? Though? Why? I, Everybody says because it's, it's not a natural football move. move. It's not a natural football move. It's got to be done. It's got to get rid of it. Successful. It's, it's like, okay, yes. How is the defense supposed to stop that? How is the defense supposed to stop that? I don't know. That's their, their job. Well, just Why saying, hasn't anybody else done it? I don't know. I, I think because, I, I don't know. Like, that's a great question that I don't have an answer to. But well, it, they is, do, they just, they just, it is not a natural football play. Get rid of it. just pile up and push. I know, but it's not its not a natural play. Get rid of it. It needs to be gone, but because it's still legal, yes, every team should be doing it, and the Eagles have have, have perfected it. it. It needs to be outlawed, but since it's still legal, yeah, teams should absolutely do it, and the Eagles should continue to do it until the NFL has the right uh, common sense to say, yeah, this, this is not uh, – th- this is not a um, – this is not an NFL move. This is not good for the like. This is a negative impact to the defense because it's practically unstoppable. We got to stop this. This is not natural. Does it? I'm not going to penalize one team for doing something extremely well. It's like nobody else does it, which proves to me that they're dumb. Oh yeah. Yep. Um, speaking of dumb, the Vikings. Should have beat the Chargers on Sunday. This is yet another game where the Vikings let it slip away, but they all—they probably shouldn't have even had a chance to win the game late. 
And by the Vikings losing, Kirk Cousins throwing a perfect pass to TJ Hawkinson where, where only TJ could catch it. There were he had two hands on it, and then the you know the bounces. It's just not going the Vikings' way this year. It bounces off uh, Hawkinson's arm, and then it bounces off a Chargers helmet, and it gets picked off. Now, granted, there was a lot of chaos leading up to that point, and that's fair to blame the Vikings for that. Uh, crowd noise did play a part in it. Some um, in and out with the headsets also didn't help. But if the Vikings had won that game, Brandon Staley would no longer be the Chargers' head coach right now and I don't think he even should be the head coach right now period this guy is the dumbest of the head coaches out there right now he goes for it fourth and one from his own 24 and I get the concept I get the idea that if you get the first down the game's over end of story if that that's fine but maybe you need to call something other than a fullback like run right up the gut right up the middle it, it just a low percentage play it's it's just bad like this guy goes for it in the stupidest uh, uh areas on the field the stupidest times in the game and his gaff on sunday should have cost him but again tj hawkinson who lost a fumble during the game he couldn't reel in the catch the vikings lose again turnovers cost him and they're 0-3. The Chargers, their season is saved for now. They're 1-2. Uh, it just is something that never should have happened. Uh, again, that Brandon Staley gets off the hook for his egregious play calling. Yeah, nobody really, I haven't heard anybody mention it at all because they won. Yeah, and it's, it's a shame because it absolutely should be talked about. And it was, it was kind of a shocker. And... They went, it was it was a big risk. Obviously, if you get it, you win the game. If not, you know, if you punt, the Vikings still got a chance there to to win the game. So, you know, that's a risk he took. All right, the Vikings got, you know, they beat Buffalo last year and they got lucky. And I'm watching that game like, how do they not win this? They're at the 20-yard line with 90 seconds left. How do they not score a touchdown here? And then for the Chargers also to not call timeouts while the Vikings are, like, while the clock's running down, that to me was befuddling as well. Like, in... I wondered if they thought that after they picked up that first down on the fourth down, that had first and goal, if the Chargers were going to call timeout. Again, the crowd's going crazy and everything. And Brandon Staley's just letting this clock go all the way down. And again, the Vikings deserve criticism, you know, for how that all unfolded. But I, I just why wouldn't you use a timeout there? Are you do you have that much faith in your defense? It just didn't make any sense to me at all. What, like the the not using your timeouts there? Because wouldn't you want some time left with Justin Herbert to get down? You know, have a chance to tie the game or perhaps win it with a field goal? Should you give up the touchdown? Like, it just I don't understand it. These were two bad teams with two bad defenses, teams that make dumb calls and bad mistakes. These are not. These are not. There's a reason why they were 0-2, 0-3. They're they're not good teams. Uh, the Vikings, their defense is terrible. It was on Sunday, uh, yeah. They can't they, get home on a blitz. 
Like they're they, they have multiple times they every play. They sent five guys at least every play almost, and they never got to the guy. No, nope. they, they barely fucking touched him. Mm-hmm. Was Justin Herbert's excellence, and I uh, just throw it quickly. It's all these passes were thrown at the line of scrimmage. I don't get why they're playing five six yards off when you're blitzing. Like you know exactly where they're going. Like it just. You gotta put a hand on Keenan Allen. Eighteen catches for two hundred fifteen yards. I mean, crime. And then you know what? The, the Caleb Evans. Yeah, I mean, he has like that's the epitome of the Viking season, or just being a Vikings fan. He has that intercepted, and it goes through his hands, doinks off his helmet, in into uh, Palmer's hands for a touchdown. Like like that play. That was a good defensive play. You just gotta catch it, and for it to bounce right into Palmer's hands. Like, come on, like. That, that's what it is like. That's what it's going to be like this year. The defense is more aggressive and they're blitzing more, but they're not sacking the quarterback all that much. And now that I clicked on entertainment tonight, now that shit shows up on my face. So that's fantastic. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta and love the algorithm. All right, we'll, we'll give up 400 yards. We'll give up four or five touchdowns. You know, like, like, when does this change of, okay, this doesn't make any sense. You mm-hmm. just give an offense whatever they want and mm-hmm. hoping that they'll fumble it, hoping that they'll throw an interception, hoping that they'll make a mistake. Cry Herbert was 40 of 47. Mm-hmm. He was 32 of 38 against the Blitz for over 300 yards. <laughs> so quit doing that at some point. Now, to be working, let's give them credit here. They did hold uh, Joshua Kelly to 11 carries for 12 yards, so that's that was good. I thought they'd run all over the Vikings. They didn't even try to run the ball. Well, they tried. It was it was a failure. And then it didn't work. And the Vikings ran the ball excellently. That was good to see. Yep. I think Caleb Williams is going to be a Hall of Famer, and you should get him. Whatever team gets him is going to be really good. Well, okay, so the Bears have the they have Carolina's pick. And they should do that. They should get their own pick, which would be really good. They'll get Carolina's. If they don't get the number one pick for the second straight year, they should trade up. Mm-hmm. Again, assuming the team that has the number one pick doesn't need a quarterback, and you know there there may be a decent chance of that because you look at um, will Arizona pick a quarterback? Uh, that that that's the most interesting thing because. Of Kyler Murray and how much money he is owed. Mm-hmm. And they, they pick Caleb Williams. Like they, had the the ups- wood. Um, they had the upset of the weekend, and no one's talking about it. If you're the Panthers, do you would you pick Caleb Williams? Like you would, you would almost have to because no. I, you, know how much, you know how much I like these quarterbacks. Yes. Every year I'd say this guy sucks, that guy sucks. I would draft Zach Wilson let alone pick him with the second pick. Mm-hmm. I think all of these quarterbacks suck. I think Caleb Williams is going to be great. Mm-hmm. So that's what he's, the impression he's, he's had for me. So, it is the Vikings, get him. It is funny how things kind of work out here with the NFL schedule because there are four team, four winless teams remaining in the NFL this year. Vikings, the Panthers, the Broncos, and the Bears. They happen to be playing each other this week. So barring a tie, two teams are going to get their first wins of the year, and there will be two winless teams remaining. 
It's just, it's funny how the NFL schedule kind of worked out that way. And based on what I saw last week against Seattle, with what the Red Rocket was doing, Andy Dalton, I'm glad that Bryce Young is going to play against the Vikings. I think it gives the Vikings a far better chance. But I am I am willing to, again, I, I text you on Sunday, like, yes, this Vikings team is bad. Like, there's no reason to lose that game. Turnovers are just killing them. They have lost seven fumbles in nine quarters. That is the most uh, fumbles by a team, like, in years. It just, they lost eight fumbles all year last year. They've lost seven in three games. It just doesn't make any sense. Uh, protect the ball. KOC is really ticked off about it. Like when he says we're gonna we're gonna bench players that aren't doing it. Yeah, you better do that. Who are they gonna bench? They're not gonna bench Hawkinson. He fumbles. They're not gonna bench the quarterback who has fumbled. They're not gonna bench Jefferson who has fumbled. Uh, Madison. Ma- that's it. That's the one. Madison. <laughs> Great. Want to make an example of him? Cam Akers. Cam Akers. All of their best players are the ones who are fumbling. It's yeah. not K.J. Osborne because K.J. Osborne never gets the ball. When he does, he turns it into a touchdown. <laughs> it's just, just a lot. And this is, you know, a, a classic Vikings thing of getting lucky last year and now they're unlucky. And they're the, 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 they are the exact same team. They're no better or no worse than last year's 13-win team. They are the same. But the difference is the turnovers this year. The turnovers, yes. Like it, it, and, and turnovers are something that you can't control. They're they're inconsistent. There's no rhyme or reason to it. Well, I think you can control it a little bit. Like, it's just called hanging on to the football. Like, it's not a jarring... <laughs> it's, it's not something you can... You know, you know what? I think the Vikings are going to have three fumbles next week. Like, like Hawkinson getting stripped of the football there on that first drive. It's like, are you kidding me? We're going to go through this again? Like, yes, we're going to go through it every game this year. Like, I don't know how he doesn't. Like, how are you? How are you letting the linebacker rip that ball out from you? It just like it doesn't make any sense. And then he contributes to the interception at the end. The Vikings. Was it the Alexander Madison fumble, but they reversed it twice. There was one that where. Was, did you know, you, was did you, know you could challenge like, forward momentum? I didn't know that. The one, the one that they that they uh, called back and like, well, he fumbled out. It's another lost fumble, and they said no. Progress was stopped, or whatever the call was. But did you like you could? I don't know about that. It was it was pretty evident that his forward progress had stopped. But (laughs) like, how is that even reviewable? I don't know. That's a judgment call. Um, yeah, it's just it's it's very frustrating. Uh, what's going on. And this is while the Vikings have the leading passer in the NFL, the leading receiver in the NFL, and the second leading uh, player in the NFL with sacks. And they're 0-3. Those stats just don't... They don't mesh. Like, it just... It's it's frustrating. So we'll see what they can do against Carolina. As I mentioned, Arizona beat Dallas, uh, just one of the stunners. Uh, the way they did it, I don't even know if it's so much how, or like that Arizona one, it's how they did it. I mean, they just went right at Dallas's defense, which had been so good through two weeks. So I think maybe is Dallas a little over, and, and Dak Prescott throwing an interception in a triple coverage in the red zone. Are you kidding me? Like, this guy is bad. He's not a good quarterback. Which, If I could give you right now, Kirk Cousins or Dak Prescott, who are you taking? 
Dak Prescott. I will take Kirk Cousins because, like, that's Dak throwing that pass is just the worst. He has no business making that throw. For Cousins, could he throw the ball past the sticks? Could he throw it into the end zone? There was the, what, second to last drive where they failed to score? Yeah. With like two minutes left, it was fourth down, fourth and goal or whatever it was. Just sneak it with Cousins at the one-yard line there. Why are we handing it off to Madison for a loss of two? Throw it on third down, they throw it on fourth down. Yeah. The fourth down pass is a yard short to Jefferson in the left corner. Even if he catches it, he's not scoring. Yep. Yep. Why are you doing that? Why are you throwing that pass to him? I don't know why you don't do three straight quarterback sneaks. And again, with the quarterback sneak, you're a yard away. Yes. Three times. Yes. Just try it three times. It's it's so damn frustrating. Uh, Let's see. Uh, Anything else? another team the Vikings could trade Cousins to. Uh, who's that? I mean, this would, this would set up the, the, the Falcons. This would set up... Hmm. I mean, Cousins is probably going to have the best statistical year of his career. Yep. And these stupid sons of bitches are just going to say, you know what? Fuck it. We're going to keep them. We're going to win six games. We're going to go nowhere. And we're going to be mediocre forever. Yeah. You got the Jets out there. You got the Falcons. This Desmond Ritter's not doing well. Falcons look like like they could win that division mm-hmm. if they got a quarterback. And I guess Kirk Cousins' wife's from Georgia. They got married in Georgia. This never happens. This is never going to happen. You got a really good quarterback. Mm-hmm. You got one year left on his deal. Mm-hmm. You got a couple teams that need quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. We're pretty good without good quarterbacks. Mm-hmm. So I don't I don't know why again stupid teams do stupid things. How did how did the Saints blow a seventeen nothing lead in the fourth quarter to Green Bay? It's a quarterback out there. Well, I know, but you still should be able to win the game. Like all of a sudden, Jordan Love turns it on. What happened to the defense? Like that, and then your your kicker, your rookie kicker, missing forty six yard field goal. But the best, I think, the best thing was uh, that Sean Payton. Got shit on by giving up 70 points to the Miami Dolphins. That game was, it was just a delight. It, it, Miami is a treat to watch. What Mike McDaniel, their head coach, draws up. I mean, they had, Raheem Mostert had four touchdowns. Devin A-Chain, or Devon A-Chain, had four touchdowns. Those are two running backs. They had eight of the ten touchdowns that Miami had. And they took their their foot off the gas pedal Midway through the third quarter, they had backups in. That's why A Chain had four touchdowns. That's you know they could have easily scored. They could have put up more than seventy points, and they chose not to. That's very nice. That's classy of them. But this could not happen to a better person than Sean Payton. Just the way this season has gone. I said it at the outset that this was not a great landing spot for him, and so far. So good. It just it warms my heart to see a guy like him get shit on as badly as he did on Sunday. People seem to like him. He had a nice media job. Like, do people forget what he did to the Vikings? Uh, apparently so. Do people just like this overlook that and Greg Williams did this and let's also John not forget. Was, I guess banned for a year. 
Let's also yeah, not we- forget that he kept Alvin Kamara in on that Christmas Day game against the Vikings to get that record-setting yeah. touchdown. And he thinks that he's somewhat upset that the Dolphins put up 70 on him. Like, fuck you, Sean Payton. Fuck you. Yeah, it's... I don't know why people like him. He's not a likable guy. He might all these things he's done. That's not likable. Mm-hmm. Yeah, it couldn't have happened to a better coach. Uh, I, I like... I, I enjoy him getting uh, being miserable. Miserable. That's another team that should get that quarterback if they if they can. So, not a great slate this weekend or this upcoming week. We have a battle in the NFC North Thursday night with Detroit at Green Bay. Uh, so, the winner of that game will be in sole possession of first place in the NFC North. We have the first London game or first international game of the year. Falcons Jaguars at uh, on Sunday at 9:30 a.m. Eastern, 8:30 a.m. Central Time on ESPN Plus. Apparently, they're going to do some sort of Toy Story deal with the game as well, so that will be interesting. But we have two. There are two games of note here, and really, I, I guess it's just one. Uh, it's Miami at Buffalo, and I don't know. Have you taken a look at what the spread is of this game? If you haven't, guess what it is. They are a two-and-a-half-point favorite. After what you saw, like, I get Buffalo's done very well here lately. I don't know how I could make them a favorite right now after what Miami did last week. I'd say it's a pick and they're a three-point favorite at home. But this way, Miami, Miami's probably a three-point favorite. So, if it's a neutral site, probably even. So, yeah, we'll see if Buffalo can stop them. It'll be interesting. Good luck. That, that and you know what the the, the Dolphins put up seventy points without Jalen Waddle. <laughs> it wasn't like they were even at full strength. But I think we're all kind of waiting for when when does Tua get hurt? Because when he gets hurt, then, and then you trade Cousins to Miami. Perfect. There you go. There you go. The other game I think that's uh, of note here is Baltimore at. Cleveland, Baltimore has had Cleveland's number. There's they're 24 and six against them in their last 30 games. The Browns, though, uh, they destroyed Tennessee last week. And Miles Garrett, three and a half sacks. Uh, Tennessee was bringing two tight ends over wherever Miles Garrett was going in motion to, just to try and block him because the Titans' offensive line is that bad. Uh, the the Ravens had seven players out last week. Uh, and but they they still should have beaten the Colts. Justin Tucker misses a sixty-one yard field goal, but that is a game of uh, of significance too because they'll ultimately be in a tie for first place in the AFC North with the Steelers, most likely, who play the Texans. But that I think is a, a this is a game that the Browns I think if they win they show like okay yeah we're for real in the AFC North or if Baltimore wins the North runs through Baltimore. I but I think. Uh, I think maybe some of the shine might wear off of Baltimore if they lose here in this game, and I think it's a very distinct possibility. In fact, I, I will say the Browns will beat Baltimore here. Steelers, I don't know if Steelers are any good, but... I don't know either. I feel like we're one Tua injury away from the entire AFC North getting into the playoffs. Mm. Or one drop down. Buffalo and Miami both make it. I think only one team comes out of the South. Yep. One team comes out of the West. Yep. We're going to see probably three teams. I think Baltimore gets in, Cincinnati gets in, 
and maybe uh, Pittsburgh Cleveland winner gets it. I'm still hesitant with Joe Burrow right now on that calf injury. Like they didn't look good against the Rams. Um, and, you, and they've got an easy schedule this next month. So do you arrest them? Can you win without them? Yeah. We've got the Titans. We've got a couple other opponents where you need some rest. No, I think that's a very good point. Yeah, it, it's going to be interesting. We have Chiefs Jets on Sunday Night Football this week. We'll see if Taylor Swift makes an appearance. Because uh, um, I'm going to go on record and say they're not together. Okay, I I don't know if they're together yet. I'm waiting for it to be official. That's pretty much all I'm I'm waiting for. This needs this couple needs to happen. Please don't do it just so you get more people to go to your movie to get a new album created. More people watching your documentary. This would be the worst time to do this, like in the middle of the, the, the beginning of the football season. Well, but she's going on her international eras tour. Like it starts uh, November 9th in Buenos Aires or Brazil or something like that. Like this needs to happen here before she goes back on tour. So we need to, this needs. I remember, like they, I remember they showed uh, Carrie Underwood once when she was dating Tony Romo. Mm hmm. Like, okay, fine. Great. She's dating Tony Romo. It's just in or out. It's just weird. Yep, it is. Um, let's go to college here before we go to uh, baseball. And uh, last week, big week on paper, I asked you uh, what you would rank the game or like what the what you would rank the weekend going in. I believe you said, was it a six? Six or a seven. Okay, and what did it? What lived? What would you give the weekend now that it's all that the dust has settled? A five. Five. Okay. I think Ohio State and Notre Dame saved the weekend, and uh, we can certainly blame uh, Marcus Freeman and defensive coordinator Al Golden for not getting that win. I was very disappointed that Ohio State won that game. I wanted Notre Dame. I had active rooting interest in it because I like Notre Dame. I hate Ohio State. And um, that was that was rough. And then to hear that they had 10 players on the field, not one play, but two plays. Come on. What was his excuse for having 10 players on the field on that last play? Uh, he didn't want to call a timeout, I think is what he said. There's three seconds left. I, I don't know. I don't know how you have 10 players on Call the field. Call timeout. What do you think they're going to do? It's at the one-yard line. This is the last play of the game. Oh, it gives, it gives Kyle McCord more time for to drop a play. You know it's going to be a play. They're on the fucking ball right up the middle. They're, That's what they did. You know what? I heard him say. I get it I on that. I, I get it on I the first play, like the seven seconds left, because you know that they're that it's going to be a pass play. They're not going to oh. run it. On the final play of the game from the one-yard line, the, the entire playbook is open. Stupid. Yeah, and I heard him say, oh, we didn't want to get a penalty in that in that uh, point. You're at the one-yard line. Wow. You have a guy rush out late, he's off sucks, whatever. It's a half-yard penalty. They're going to be they're going to be one foot closer to the end zone. And they're still going to go in shotgun. So what does it matter? Just yeah, again, bad coaching. Bad coaching. Like, when you're watching that game, you're like, Christ, there's nobody on the left side of the, on the line. Yeah. There's nobody over there. What are they going to have the ball to? And he, they, yeah, they were still three inches away from winning the game. He barely crosses the end zone. In fact, I think he lost possession of the football 
before regaining it and crossing the line, but he is, like, he barely gets over. Both teams didn't show me much. I feel like right now, you look at the playoff, you, you put Georgia in, you put Florida State in, you put Michigan in, then you're looking for that other one. Is it Texas? I think Oklahoma's going to be in the mix. They got a pretty easy schedule. If Oklahoma can beat Texas, they, they won't. There's not a whole lot stopping them. You're not putting any Pac-12 team in. You're not putting USC. You're not putting Oregon. You're not putting Washington. I would put any of those three teams over Georgia right now. But one of them do something. One of them. One of them has to get through this thing with, you know, maybe undefeated or one loss. So we'll see. They're all going to play each other. They're all going to have probably one loss. So do you put them in over Texas? We'll see. Yeah, I yeah. would. The Pac-12 right now is the best conference in football. Yet the I ACC. One good game last week. Of all these marquee matchups, I think the only, it, only good one was Clemson for State. On, Everybody else was either a blowout or was boring. Unfortunately, Oregon State, Washington State kind of got lost in the shuffle there. Oregon State made a, a furious comeback. Uh, it just fell short, but they lost that game, thirty-eight, thirty-five. Like I said last week, what were people thinking or hoping on this big week of football? And even after the games were played, somebody had a story. The headline was all this epic week of football. Mm-hmm. Like, we're not watching the same thing. We're not apprehending the same thing here. I loved seeing Oregon kick the shit out of Colorado. That uh, warmed my heart. Uh, I hope that happens again this week with USC trouncing Colorado, but I am hesitant because I don't know I don't think Travis Hunter is going to play for Colorado, but Shadir Sanders can still put up a ton of yards against that porous USC defense. USC kind of tends to struggle in Boulder. We know they struggle in Salt Lake City against Utah, but Colorado has not been a a pleasant spot for them to go to all the time in recent years. So I think this is a, a perfect spot for an upset. I'm still going to take USC because I just don't see what what Colorado can do now after losing to Oregon, and then you're really going to see like the rails fall off. But for Fox to promote this as the game of the year, come on. Game of the year? That's what they did Sunday. They didn't yeah. even have the new rankings yet. They still had USC at 5 and Colorado at 19. This was right. This was after Colorado lost. Mm. That's bad. Like USC is going to beat the shit out. I hope. Defense so. is very good. I hope so. All right, Colorado, they're six and six. Be six and six. Make a bowl game. Well, they got Arizona State next week. That's kind of a game you have to win. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> like what was so great about last week? I didn't think it was going to be good. It wasn't any good. The games went about how you would think they would. Mm-hmm. Or Colorado, that was a blowout, as you would probably suspect. Alabama Ole Miss was boring as fuck. Nothing happened. Thank I, I love that Lane Kiffin lost, though. Like, he's a guy that's truly all substance, like, substance and no result. Like, there's, he just yeah. hypes up the game. Just get him off my screen. Uh, you didn't like the barn burner that was 14-7 between Utah and UCLA? And that one, it's like, okay, Utah's got a good defense. It looked like a Big Ten team, good offensive line. It's fourteen nothing in the fourth quarter. You know, I, I could miss. I could have missed the first 
half, first three quarters of that game and not missed anything. I didn't watch much because there wasn't what there was nothing going on. I was in Clemson. That was the best game of the day. Yep. And I'm looking around. What else is there to watch? There was not a single other game out there to watch. What about this one? What about that one? No. Well, Oregon, Colorado had the hype. It yeah. did, but then it's 42 nothing. Yeah. It's like, oh, yep. you walked it for, for a bit. It's not a good game. You had the storylines with Ole Miss and Alabama, but that still wasn't a good game. Oh, that was boring. Uh, Oregon State, Washington State was maybe the second best. At least something happened. Mm-hmm. And Notre Dame, Ohio State, it's three nothing in halftime. Wow, three nothing. Great. Another game where I could have missed the first half and I missed the damn thing. I have no idea what people were talking about. This great week. Well, I think everyone, the hope was that these games were going to be great, but the likelihood that they would all live up like, to the Oh, Alabama's offense sucks. Mm-hmm. Oregon's going to beat the shit out of Colorado. Notre Dame, Ohio State could have been good, but it's 10-7 in the fourth quarter. Both teams didn't convert on fourth downs. Early in the game, could have had field goals, could have won the game for either side. Mm-hmm. This wasn't any good. You figure it wasn't going to be any good? And then it happened, and like, yeah, this was about the way I thought it would go, and it wasn't any good. Like, if you're searching for a game to watch, that's not good. Kansas BYU was one of the better games of the week. Mm-hmm. So. Kansas 4-0. Watch out for the Jayhawks. Yeah, they got, they got what, the Texas this week? Oh. They do. Good luck with that. I don't. That's not going to end pretty uh, for them. I don't think. Um, I Texas or Kansas? Yeah, show us something. Well, you know what? Let's get in that. So, Kansas has their number. Kansas has their number. They do. They do. Uh, this is in Austin, though, so that's gonna that that does factor in, I think, to how this game goes. Uh, last week, game of the week, you had Ohio State at Notre Dame. I would say that was very accurate. Uh, upset of the week, Pittsburgh over UNC, not so much. And then watch your ass game of the week, Texas at Baylor. Texas won 38-6. So what do we have this week for the game of the week? Oh, let's get a field schedule here. The last week was a bad week for, for that pick, for the, uh, for the upset. Oh, by the way, this is what I was going to mention. While you're pulling up that schedule, Iowa it should be – Taken off national prime or national television, primetime television forever. Uh, and that was another game. Oh, Iowa, Penn State. Who gives a shit? They, Iowa can't score. They had seventy six. They had seventy six yards of offense in that game. Six more yards oh, than no. the Dolphins oh. had points on Sunday, and they and then NBC has the audacity to put Michigan State at Iowa in primetime this this week. Uh, this this week, like no. I was concerned about with this like Big Ten thing. Like I, I think I mentioned this this summer. Yeah, I was with you. There's not enough good games in the Big Ten. Even when you add USC and Oregon, that's going to help. Yep. But there's not enough good games. So you've seen all these games. Yep, I I was right there with you. This it does not make. There's not been a weirder game this year in prime time than Maryland versus Charlotte. Yeah. We're going to look back at that and say, what was that? Yeah. There's yeah. not enough good teams right now in the Big Ten. There's Michigan, there's Penn State, there's Ohio State. Mm-hmm. 
That's it. That is it. There's nobody else worth watching. There's nobody else all, all that good. And may I say, the Minnesota Golden Gophers. Oh, my God. Oh. I, and I'm looking at the end of this game. They're up three touchdowns. All right, they're going to beat Northwestern. Yep. In an unimpressive fashion. And then Northwestern comes back and like, no, no, there's no way they're going to win this. And then they score, and then they go for two, and they do all this stuff. And they win the game. It's like, wow. It what a Awful. Just like I, I, P.J. Fleck, I think, has lost a lot of goodwill with that. That You can't lose to Northwestern. It was just – it was it's disgraceful. Uh, one of the worst losses of the early season. Oh, for sure. Without a doubt. Without really? a doubt. What do you got for week uh, five? Game of the week here. <laughs> Second game of the week. Uh, we're going to go uh, – anyway, I, I fear Texas is going to blow out Kansas. But I do, uh, I do want to watch that game for however long that's competitive. Uh, game of the week, though, uh, if Notre Dame would have won, that would have helped this one. But I want Duke Notre Dame, uh, six thirty ABC game mm-hmm. of the week. Notre Dame at Duke. Yep. I was surprised. I was hoping that that was where College Game Day was going to go, and then they announced it before Notre Dame lost. And I was a little stunned by that. Where they go? They're going to uh, some place they've never been. Where are they going? Uh, Duke to Duke to Durham. Oh, going to Duke. Okay. Yep. So I, I was just saying, like game? that. It was just saying that that was the game that I thought they should go to, but okay. I was waiting for them to announce it after after we we found out like the outcome of Notre Dame. And uh-huh. Duke, they're just like, yeah, we're gonna go here, guys. Like, oh, that's a little okay. All right. Like, another another bad week. Like, how is this happening? I know. It's college football. Like, there's fucking 70 games a week. How is there not more than two? Got th- no. three ranked matchups, and one of them is Friday night, Utah at Oregon State. Yeah, that should be uh, interesting. Mm-hmm. Oregon State a favorite somehow. I don't know how that's possible, but I think this week will entertain me more than last week will. Well, and so, not, that's I, not much for last week. I would agree with that. What uh, what do you got for upset of the week? Well, Kentucky beats Florida. Is that an upset? Uh, it is based on the rankings. Uh, I guess Kentucky's a one point favorite. So oh, I, okay, we can't do that then. And I, uh, well, Michigan takes on uh, Nebraska. You know, Michigan's kind of been unimpressive. They have. Uh, do you want me? Can I throw a, a matchup in the ring? How about Syracuse over Clemson? It's at Syracuse. It is Clemson six and a half point favorites. Yeah, I can see that. Uh, upset. I'm going to go Vanderbilt over Missouri. Excellent. Uh, Vanderbilt's not terrible. Uh, Missouri. We had Missouri over Kansas State a couple weeks ago. Mm-hmm. And um, well, Vanderbilt's. <clears throat> they're not good, but they're not terrible. So let's go Vanderbilt over Missouri for uh, for that. And then the watch your ass game of the week. I have a feeling Texas is involved. I fear that could be you know a blowout. Um, but you know, Kansas Kansas has had a lot worse teams than this and beaten Texas. Mm-hmm. So let's keep on riding Texas here till November until something finally happens. Okay, so you are taking Kansas over uh, at uh, Texas as your watch-your-ass game of the week? Texas wins. It's probably a blowout. But I wouldn't be surprised 
if it's uh, closer, closer so, than average. South Carolina at Tennessee would also be a, a viable candidate, I think. I think Colorado's good story. People are watching the hell out of them. But they should score a little bit more against Oregon, but there's no reason why USC shouldn't put up 45 no. points. Also, Washington, watch your ass against Arizona. Happy to go to the desert. Washington's ranked seventh. You can't do that. You can't lose to Arizona. Don't do it. Next week, or in two weeks after by two weeks, uh, Oregon at Washington. God damn that! That's, that's I mean, a- Washington's fun to watch, but they've got a hell of a schedule. They do. That's why I think. I, well, so they're. I mean, they're not making the playoff because they're not. You know, they're going to lose two games. Three games. Oregon at Washington on October 14th. Sign me up for that. Like, And then uh, Washington at USC, and then they host Utah. Yep. That's a that's a gauntlet. That is without a doubt. Like, who finishes this thing? You know, everybody likes the Pac-12. They're good. But, like, who finishes this now? Oregon's at Utah in a month. Mm-hmm. Like, who's, who's going to come out of this? It's a good question. They might be really good, but you know, USC, back-to-back weeks at Notre Dame, and they host Utah. And then back-to-back weeks, they host Washington, and they're at Oregon. It's a, it's like, a gauntlet. There's no other doubt about it. And Utah, back-to-back weeks, Utah, USC, and Oregon. Mm-hmm. All of these teams are going to lose. And the, the, way they, the way the rankings go, if you lose, you're going to drop Notre Dame what dropped two spots. Mm-hmm. They lost to what number six, number five. Yep, number six. They lost to number six, in which they're number nine. They lose on the last play of the game. Oh, you know what? Let's drop them. Let's drop them. Let's drop them a couple spots. They're not as good as we thought. Like really? Mm-hmm. Can't you just put them the same? Yeah, yeah. So as sense. of now, I do Georgia, Florida State, Michigan. And as a wild card, I'll put in Oklahoma. Okay. All right. Um, let's let's turn our attention to the final week of the baseball also, season. Uh, Fresno State oh. right now maybe the favorite to uh, to be that group of five team. Oh, okay. All right. Fresno State. Fresno State. All right. Very good. I like it. That's a team co- formerly coached by uh, what is it, Kyle DeBoer, the current head coach at Washington. Caleb DeBoer. Caleb DeBoer. Thank you. Uh, let's go to baseball. Final week of the regular season is here. The Twins clinched last Friday. Uh, that was great. Um, there's uh, apparently Terry Francona is hanging it up. So good on him. Uh, he had a solid career, especially uh, with the Red Sox. Can we can we talk about what happened though? I like. I really want the Marlins to make the playoffs. I don't think they will, and it's in part. Uh, they, they, they got kind of screwed by the Mets. Uh, whether this was intentional or not, the field, at C- that city field, was not uh, in game shape. Uh, now, granted, there was a tropical storm or, you know, torrential rains in the northeast and stuff over the weekends and whatnot. But, uh, you know, the tarp was out, but the field was in bad condition. Like, something, did the grounds crew not do something correct here the marlins are now in a double header with the mets and right now they are trailing uh right now uh nine to two it's 
this what are what's going on here? Like this was Tuesday that the game was supposed to happen. Why couldn't they get the field ready by then? Like this this to me seems like the Mets purposefully did this. Yeah, why would you not cover the field? They cover. I don't know. Like here in Mitchell, they they cover the field. Sometimes even when they don't need to, because they're not going to play for a few days. They're just going to cover it just in case. I in ineptness. Mets not a well-run organization. Um, yeah, if you're the Marlins, I'd be pretty pissed. Well, how can, like, and I guess Major League Baseball doesn't want, you know, games to go into Monday or whatever, so they are the ones that made the call for the doubleheader, but that's a that's a middle finger to the Marlins. Like, you have a you have a very good NL wild card race coming down here, really for the final spot, because the Phillies have clinched one, the Diamondbacks seem like they're going to clinch, they've, they've taken care of business against the White Sox thus far. This week, so they're they should be in the clear here, no problem. It really comes down to the the Cubs and the Marlins, with maybe the Reds having an outside chance. And the Cubs lost in embarrassing fashion Tuesday night to the Braves after uh, Suzuki or whatever he muffed. Uh, I mean, he missed a fly ball in in the eighth inning there, and two runs scored, and the Braves came all the way back from what five nothing, six nothing to win that game. So that was impressive for them, but you know the Marlins had a shot there then to, to take advantage of this, and now we'll see what happens, you know, in Game Two Wednesday night here. But they're like, it's just bad. That's a bad look for Major League Baseball. Yeah, you wouldn't. You don't really like that. Uh, the Cubs all got the Braves. You know, those are tough games, and then they're at Milwaukee. But Milwaukee's already sewn it up, so how interested is Milwaukee going to be playing? I'm sure they'd love to knock the Cubs out of the playoffs. Yeah, wouldn't you? Wouldn't you think like that would be the way to do it? Like keep your arch rival out uh, because you're probably going to play the Cubs in the playoffs. Right? Wouldn't you rather play a Marlins team that's more depleted? Yeah, and the Marlins—they've got the, the Pirates this weekend, mm-hmm. so they need to win. Uh, they need to win this game too tonight. And if they don't. Uh, Four games left. You're a game out with four to go. They're not impossible, but uh, but tough. And then the Reds lose on a nine-run lead to Pittsburgh last week. Yes. Yep. Um, Reds a game and a half back. I'm they curious beat. to see what Pittsburgh's going to be like next year. This is a team that I think could make some noise. Yeah, they're young. Uh, you know, they got off to a good start this year. So um, maybe uh, maybe finish. 500 next year. So, so yeah, you know, Arizona. Arizona's got a two-game lead. Mm-hmm. Arizona should be all right. Um, the Twins probably won't know who they're going to play until you know, Sunday. So, all right now it's Houston, which I would want. Yes. Uh, you know, the, yep. the Mariners. Um, I, I don't want the Mariners. I want the I want the Astros right yeah. now. Both I, I, Houston and Seattle. One of them is going to miss out. Yep. So. Astros or the Rangers? Because, and listen, right now, given what the the Rangers have, like, I don't know how they lost to the Angels, who have nothing to play for. Uh, so we'll see what the Rangers can do here in their final uh, game uh, Wednesday night against the Angels. But then they have four in Seattle. And right now, the Minnesota Twins are four games back of the Rangers for the uh, best. Uh, uh, uh. I'm just... 
I'm not saying it's likely to happen, but that's something to play for. Considering that the Twins have the A's and the Rockies, two of the three worst teams in baseball, and the Rangers have to play four in Seattle, and Seattle, after getting swept by the Rangers last week, will be playing for their playoff lives because not only are they not guaranteed to get a wild card, but you would still seemingly, theoretically, have a shot at the division here by beating Houston. So this is, I'm not saying that it's likely the Twins can get the two seed, but the Twins have as much to play for as Texas and Houston and Seattle. It gives it gives well, uh, you, you more time for Carlos Correa to get healthy. It gives you more time for um, uh, Royce Lewis to get healthy. There's reason, I, again, I'm not saying it's going to happen, but that's something to watch for here over the final weekend of the regular season. But that that requires the Twins to not lose to the A's either Wednesday night or Thursday afternoon. Twins have to win out and Texas has to lose out. And even if that happens, though, Texas losing out means that Seattle would win out. And uh, I think Seattle's got a better record than the Twins. Let's see. Yeah, Seattle's a game up on the Twins. So I don't think it's possible. I don't think it's mathematically possible for the Twins to get the two. Even though they're four back with five to go based on the schedule, now like if Texas and Seattle split, that's not enough. Right, but if, let's say, Texas loses to the Angels and then lose three of four to the Mariners and the Twins went out. The Twins... Then you have a. I think they would all finish with eighty-nine wins, and I don't. It'd be a three-way tie. Well, what and if the Astros know. lose though, or what if the Astros beat the Mariners? So that the Mariners would finish at most with eighty-eight wins. Let's say the Astros finish. You know that they take. They'd be tied with three. Texas, so I think they. It's it's not going to happen. But they're, they're, they're four back with five to go. Wishful thinking here. But we we want to play Houston, I would say, at this point, right? Yeah. Like, Isn't that what a Twins fan would prefer? Yeah, Houston's at Arizona uh, this weekend. Um, the fact that the Royals swept Houston in Houston, that, that makes, I think, I think that should make Twins fans feel cautiously optimistic. But then again, nothing should make Twins fans feel optimistic given what this team has done in postseason play here recently, an 18-game losing streak. I think we want to play Houston for different reasons. I want to play them because I think they're the favorite. You want to play them because you think you can beat them. Yes. Oh, I, I see I see both sides of that argument. So I could see why you would want to play that them there as well. I would be fine playing Texas, too, because the Twins have had success against Texas. But Texas yeah. has been playing better here as of late. I don't want to play Seattle. I, I'm just looking at the regular season and how that all shaped out. Um, Seattle's played the Twins very good. The, the Twins have played against the Rangers and the Astros successfully, and the Rangers aren't at full strength. Um, I'd be okay with either the Rangers or the Astros. I think Texas is probably going to win the division. And we will see uh, what happens. Uh, what, one more game here. I think I think Seattle is going to be the team left out here. And they have only have themselves to blame because after they went on that torrid streak in, what, July or early August, they kind uh, of they, they hit a rough patch. So 
And the tough deal here for Seattle, if they get in, uh, their two best pitchers are Luis Castillo and George Kirby. And they're pitching Saturday and Sunday to end the season. So they're just going to have to – they're using their top two guys. <laughs> Might be a bullpen series for them then. So uh, they're not going to have their two aces until at least game two. Maybe three. So – has there been any more Seattle, you would not be playing their best pitchers. We will have our our baseball preview, uh, postseason preview next week, where we'll talk about all of this, and we'll we'll certainly get that to you hopefully ahead of time here, when you know before the Twins are eliminated. But has there been any more conversation? Do you think, or have you heard on on what like the Twins are going to do with say Hideki Matsuyama? Uh, uh, not Hideki Matsuyama, oh. but um, uh, Kenta Maeda. I don't know why Hideki Matsuyama came into my head, but because um, I assume you, you're going to put, you're going to have Pablo Lopez as your game one starter, and you're going to have Sonny Gray as game two, right? Yeah, he'll be in the bullpen. He'll be in the bullpen. Like that just seems the most obvious to me that you would throw Maeda into the bullpen. Yeah, um, Joe Ryan will probably start a game three. Mm-hmm. And if any of these guys get knocked early, knocked out early, you would think that Kentamaya would be the first guy out of the bullpen. And if you need a fourth starter, you've got Bailey Ober, mm-hmm. you've got Maeda. Mm-hmm. In years past, like they've had no pitching, and once once when it comes to the playoffs, they've had to start. But they started Randy Dobnak at Yankee Stadium mm-hmm. years ago in a game two. Mm-hmm. So, one reason why the Twins would make a run is because they've got. Five good starting pitchers. Yes. And two of them are excellent, and two others on any given night can be excellent. Mm-hmm. If this team makes a run, you would think uh, they're going to do it because of their starting pitching. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't see Buxton playing. I, there's you know, no reason to bring him back. Correa, he'll be back. I'm sure Royce Lewis will be back. They'll get him back out there, even if he's not. I don't think he'll be close to 100%. But it needs to be out there. Mm-hmm. The Twins are completely redoing their bullpen here in the last week. Completely. Do you like that or do you not like it? You may as well because I don't like what they've been doing. So this is different. Uh, it might be better. It, it's different. Chris Paddock is back. He had Tommy John 16 months ago. Is it- he's, a, he's a starter. Yep. But he pitched last night, uh, struck out the side in one inning, gave up a couple couple runs in the next inning went 40 pitches do you think though that's like to just to get him back into the game mode like obviously they're not going to throw him into the starting rotation but are they just yeah. seeing if he's got anything to potentially yeah. give them for the postseason out of the bullpen yeah he could definitely be in the bullpen and he could give you multiple innings mm-hmm. uh, the starter and you want to work him out work him back and he's been pitching here for the last few weeks caleb fieldbar's got to be a part of this right He'll be there. You've got Louis Varland, who also has a, a good run as a starter, but a lot of the year in AAA. Mm-hmm. Now they're moving into the bullpen, and he has been impressive. You know, he's been you know upper nineties near a hundred. So Louis Varland is a guy that best way to mask a bad bullpen. Yeah, best way to mask a bad bullpen is to throw a bunch of starters in there from yeah. either AAA or that you uh, carried during the regular season that wouldn't be on a on the standard pitching staff, at least not for the, the wild card round. And then you've got Brock Stewart, who we talked about early in the year, kind of coming out of nowhere and being 
being effective. Mm-hmm. And he pitched last night a scoreless inning. So you've got three guys. <clears throat> you got Rock Stewart, who you know hasn't been in the majors in three, four months, three months. You've got Paddock, who's a reliever coming off of Tommy John surgery, just pitched last night. And you've got Louis Harlan, who's not a bullpen guy, but that's the way he's going to be used. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> so probably two, if not you know, three of those guys are going to be on the roster you would hope with a, a long postseason run. Mm-hmm. You've got, you know, Penta Maeda and Bailey Over would be a fourth or a fifth starter. So pitching depth is a strength of the team. I watched when they clinched Friday against the Angels, and, and Duran was terrible. Mm. Oh, it took him like almost 35 pitches to get through it. And said, yeah, I was nervous out there. It was a big crowd, and well, that really bodes well for the fucking playoffs. <laughs> nervous clinching against the goddamn Angels in front of 30-some thousand. Well, just wait till you're playing the World Series champions. Right. And there's 40,000 people there. Right. So that, that, you know, that doesn't give me a lot of hope for Duran uh, to, because uh, he can be wild at times. It's cool he can throw 103. <clears throat> I prefer somebody that can throw some strikes. Yeah. So he doesn't, he doesn't give me much hope. Emilio Pagan has been fantastic this year, especially the last couple months. He has. How much does that pain you to say? Because we've we've both mentioned. I get it. It's very simple for me. Just do good. If you do good, I'll say you're good. If you do shitty, I'll say you're shitty. <laughs> I I hope he does good. He's on a team I, I want to root for. Yep. Zach Wilson's bad. If Zach Wilson was good, I'd say he was good. But he's not. He's the worst quarterback I've ever seen. Ooh, even Josh Allen is bad. Now Josh Allen, good quarterback. Uh, be good. Spurgeon win. Who would win in a? Who who would be? You would take Spurgeon win over Zach Wilson. No, but he was what six round pick. Yeah, he wasn't good. Yeah, you, I, I get what you're saying here. To be the second pick in the yeah. draft. I just always go back, like, whenever someone's like, oh, that's a bad quarterback. I'm like, hey, you remember Spurgeon win? <laughs> he, he was terrible. I, I, I was, what, 20-some years ago? Yeah, yeah, it was. It was... 2001? Yeah, yep. Culpepper got hurt, Todd Bauman got hurt, and now we're down the, we're in, like, the last two games. Yeah. They played, what, they played the Packers. I mean, I mean, cold. Sunday afternoon, and they ended the year, what, at Baltimore on Monday night? Yep. Yep, and that um, was the game that had been, it was supposed to be week two, but got moved because of 9-11. Like, I, I remember that. I can't tell you who the fuck the Vikings played, uh, you know, week 15 last year. I have no idea. Um, and he, he was bad, but, you know, he's a third-string quarterback. This guy was supposed to be the franchise quarterback. I could tell you who the Vikings played Week 15 last year. It was the Indianapolis uh, Colts. It was the greatest comeback ever. The Colts, it was, yeah. And then you look, the past years all run together. Right. Yep. Um, and even my dad, my dad still comments on, like, he knows who Spurgeon Wynn is. Like, he only played in, like, two games. Mm-hmm. Two and a half games, but he was so bad. Yep. <laughs> that Twenty years later, you still remember this guy. Yes. Nobody else remembers him, but uh, but we remember him. Mm-hmm. Uh, but God has been good. He hasn't given up a given up a run in his last big uh, outing. So he hasn't given up a run in. Well, he kind of struggled there at the end of the month, but 
you know, ERA in the low threes, mm-hmm. much better than he has been. So I'm just waiting for Rocco Baldelli to do something dumb. Yep. Oh, it's, it's inevitable, isn't it? Like, I want to, like, this team's good enough to, to win. To win a series. I mean, they're good enough to, to do something here, but mm-hmm. are you going to let your starters go? If Pablo Lopez in that first game, seven innings, giving up three hits, he struck out ten. He's at ninety-three pitches. And you have a do you do you have a lead? Like, is it a three-nothing lead at this point? Two nothing. Two nothing. What do you do? You keep him in the game. Mm-hmm. Keep him in the game. Mm-hmm. He gives up, gives up one base runner. You pull him. Yep. And then when that happens, who's the first guy out of the bullpen? Who is it? It better not be fucking Griffin Jacks. It better not be Emilio Pagan. Got if we're in the eighth inning of a playoff game, you who's have... your best guy? I think Whoever you... you put out there better go the rest of the way. If that's Duran, if you think Duran is your best reliever. You wouldn't put Thielbar or Maeda in? No, 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 okay. no. Okay. If, if we can... If you get seven innings from Lopez or Gray, and if they're pitching lights out, why would Duran's gone more than an inning mm-hmm. multiple times? He's thrown 30, 35 pitches in and outing. Mm-hmm. You feel comfortable with Duran, and you need five outs to get. Don't fuck around putting in Brock Stewart. <laughs> Don't put in these other guys. Mm-hmm. Whoever you put in there, you should feel confident in going get, getting five outs. Yep. And maybe these guys only go five or six innings. Then it becomes trickier. You know, mm-hmm. I like I like what I've seen from some of these guys, but some of these new guys. So it'll be interesting to see mm-hmm. what happens. It'll be interesting to see who they play. If the bracket ends up the way it is right now. I think that's about the best case scenario. You got Houston to start off. You had Houston a couple mm-hmm. years ago in the COVID year. They beat you two straight. Mm-hmm. It was over a couple hours. You got Houston, a team. You know, let's see who they got. Uh, I'm sure they would. They had Verlander. I'm sure he'll be their game one starter. So, can you uh, can you get to Verlander? He is scheduled. Oh, he's scheduled to pitch Sunday. But we, I would imagine that probably won't happen. Right, because they, well, let's see where they're at. Like, it all depends on where they're at in the standings. Uh, you know, Framber Valdez was a you know, Cy Young contender. Mm-hmm. Yeah, he pitches, he might be a game one starter. He's, uh, what has he done here lately? He's uh, he's done well. Last start was a bit rough, but he's done mainly well. Yep. So, um, you know, Verlander, if you... If they need him Sunday, you might be able to avoid him. Mm-hmm. That series, that might be interesting. Like the Twins, they're rested. Their pitching staff, it's set up. Mm-hmm. Once before. They've got Houston. If they beat them, they would take on the Rangers, which they've had a lot of success. You don't have to play the Yankees. You're not playing the, the Oakland A's of 2006 here. And then... Uh, in that bottom half, you just have all those AL East teams playing each other. Um, well, Tampa Bay would play Toronto, or that would play Baltimore. Mm-hmm. And uh, you take your 
you take your chances against one of them. So I tell you right now, I'm not picking the Braves and I'm not picking the Dodgers. Oh, yeah, the Braves have been struggling a little bit. Are you going with the Phillies? I'm looking at the Phillies. They're playing well, and I'm thinking I'm taking the Phillies again hmm. Hmm. Uh, to win it. You know, the Dodgers, the Braves, they got, I mean, their pitching staff, their, their starters are hurt. Yeah. So they need that little bit of a rest there. They'll be back. Charlie Morton, uh, Max Freed, I would assume they'll be back, but, uh, but they need some time off. Our full uh, postseason preview will be next week, so we look forward to that. Uh, last thing I think we need to cover here before we're, we're done for the week, uh, Damian Lillard finally got traded, not to the Miami Heat, but the Portland Trailblazer star is going to the East. It's just to the Milwaukee Bucks. Uh, a Drew Holiday's leaving. Like there's a, it's a three-team trade involving the Phoenix Suns. DeAndre Ayton is Whoa. going to... Whoa. What? I've not seen the particulars of this at all. Oh, you haven't? Oh. Now, I know what happened. I've not looked it up. Here, we'll go. Okay, well, wow. It, yeah. No, uh, we'll, I'll get this here uh, to you. So, I, I got it here. Um, there was rumors that Manuel Toronto was in the mix. Yep. Yep. I didn't know anything about Milwaukee. Yeah, nope. Lillard's going to team up with Giannis. Uh, Drew Holiday is going to... Portland, DeAndre Ayton is going to Portland. <clears throat> Some to Tumani, Kamara. Milwaukee has a 2029 unprotected first round pick going to Milwaukee or going to Portland, and then Portland's uh, getting uh, unprotected swap rights with Milwaukee in 2028 and 2030. The Suns are getting uh, Yusuf Nurkic from Portland, Grayson Allen, Nasir Little, and Keon Johnson. So. It's really, you know, Damian Lillard is the, the the only guy going to Milwaukee, but that is a significant get for the Bucks. I would say this probably puts them atop the East once again as the team to beat in the East. Now, Lillard has said that he just wanted to go to Miami. <laughs> and Milwaukee is far from Miami, in terms of temperature and the winter time and everything, I'm sure you know Lillard wanted to go for the nightlife and all that jazz. Uh, play with Jimmy Butler and whatnot, but I would say that this is a very good outcome for him, considering he's going to play with the Greek Freak. I'm sure he wants to win because he hasn't done much winning in Portland. And doesn't Milwaukee give him a better chance than Miami would? <sighs> Probably, Miami's been pretty good here uh, recently. I think this helps Milwaukee prove to Giannis that they're serious. Well, don't you think they almost overpaid for him because Giannis has said, hey, I want to win another ch- title here, otherwise trade me? Like, yeah. he's, he's eligible for an extension here, I think, before the season begins. This yeah. is Milwaukee's attempt to say, yes, Giannis, we want to win too. We're bringing in Lillard to help you. Well, they give away Drew Holiday, their second best guy. And Lillard's better than Drew Holiday. Yes, uh, Holiday's a little younger. What you, I guess not. I guess they're the same age. So I guess Drew Holiday, 33, older than I thought. But uh, Damian Lillard, he's got to stay healthy. Yeah. Missed 25 games last year. He missed 50-some games two years ago. So 
maybe going to a better team, you automatically, yeah, maybe, maybe I'm feeling a little bit better. And there, for him, there's no reason to push it when you're with Portland and you're nothing to play for, so there's no reason to play through an injury. But he averaged 32 points last year. He's been on my fantasy team for the last couple of years. Um, yeah, I mean, he's nearing the end of his career. He's been around a while, at, uh, 12 years, 11 years. He's 33. So... Not getting any younger, you got a couple of years you feel like till he reaches his mid thirties. Well, it's a bad contract on the back side. But yeah, if you're trying to win here in the next couple of years, this is the window to do it in. And well, he is owed uh, forty five million this year, goes up to sixty three in a couple of years, so a lot of money to pay him and Giannis. Mm-hmm. Uh, DeAndre Ayton leaves Phoenix. Phoenix has what they've got Durant and who, who's the other big? Who's the other big name they got? Right? Oh yeah, uh, that. Devin Booker, Durant, and who's the other big name that they signed that they're supposed to? What it was? It wasn't Kyrie Irving. Who? Nope. Uh, I'm, I'm pulling it up right now because the name escapes me. I forgot that Chris Paul is now in Golden State. Well, oh. Who the fuck did the Suns get that? Oh, it's it's it, it's someone from. I swear it was someone from Golden State. Let me let me pull this up here. I'm looking at who who is it? I'm looking at their roster. I guess Durant. I guess it was Durant. I guess no, Bradley Beal. It was Bradley Beal. Oh, Bradley Beal. Okay, Bradley Beal. So that's their three. You know, they had Grayson Allen. They'll be uh, you know part of the mix. They've got Bull Bull. Hopefully, Bull Bull stays around. Mm-hmm. Um, who is this here? Um, and, you know, they need, like, everybody else on their roster needs to play for the minimum because they're paying three guys mm-hmm. $50 million here. So, um, yeah, we'll see if it works out. They have bigger names than I thought. I, I heard somebody say, oh, Portland didn't get anything. I'm like, what? Well, I look at this. And I'm like, oh, they got, like, Portland should be better. Mm-hmm. Andrew Ayton's a nice player. Uh... Drew Holiday's a nice player, all-star. Mm-hmm. So Portland should be better. This says Grayson Allen is on Phoenix. That's not what yeah. the report says. What's the report say? He's going to uh, Portland? Well, they have they have Grayson Allen on Phoenix. Okay. What does this say? I yeah, thought- this is, yeah, he's going to be on the Suns. Hmm. I thought I read that. I thought I just read that he was on Portland. Regardless, uh, an interesting uh, trade to say the least, as the the NBA season will be here uh, before we know it next month. So. Uh, your kid, she's a nice little player. Yep, oh, I agree. I... So yeah, the Suns, Suns do well. I think everybody wins. Mm-hmm. Initial reaction: everybody wins. Milwaukee goes for a title. Phoenix gets some complimentary players to add depth that they need. And uh, the Blazers get rid of uh, probably their best player they've ever had. I, I misread it. I, 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 I even read that the Suns got Grayson Allen. I don't know why it's <laughs> thinking Portland. Yeah, Portland gets Drew Holiday, DeAndre Ayton, and Tumani Kamara. So, yeah. One of, the, one of the great assholes of all time, Grayson Allen. Yes. Yep, we hate him. We hate so him. So, I, I like Portland, you know, Mike Trout, you know, he doesn't want to leave the Angels. The Angels don't want to, like, now is the time to get rid of Trout. Mm-hmm. But they're obviously the Angels. I hate them. But uh, good for Portland moving on. 
They gave it a good try for a decade. I think they got to one Western Conference final. Mm-hmm. And then they won, you know, a serious contender to knock off whatever the hell they were playing. A Golden Maybe State. Or Golden State. So. Golden State. So they start over. They get some guys. So I like I like the trade for all three teams. Indeed. And if, and if you know, the rumors are true, if, if, if NBC is serious about getting the NBA back here in a couple of years, um, that move right there will greatly increase my NBA watching. Yeah, no doubt. Just putting them on a different channel, I just can't tell you how much. And if everything NBC does is good, and God damn it, I hope the NBA gets back on NBC. My guy, I feel like I'm 12 years old today. Well, we'll play the music when it happens. No, it's my ringtone stack. Very good. Uh, Anything else we need to get to before we say so long? Looking forward to the playoffs. I've contemplated going to these games. We went, uh, what, 2019 against the Yankees. Mm -hmm. It was Drew and Marcus and myself. (sighs) Probably probably this ain't going to happen. But they play, what, Tuesday, Wednesday, maybe Thursday. Yep. Um, That works in my schedule. I don't have anything going on. So, I'd like to go, but maybe, you know, I'm thinking, hey, maybe they can win. Maybe there's uh, more important games here in the next couple weeks. Um, they're on ESPN or ESPN2 or ABC. Mm-hmm. And, well, playoff baseball, it's everything matters. You know, in a big 162-game regular season, we can kind of just follow it from afar and you can't get too upset after a couple wins or a couple losses. Well, it's, you know, it's a long season. Well, this year, this, That's every not- little thing matters because you need to win every single game. So, it does. Well, That's uh, good baseball there. And it was crazy last year with Padres winning and the Phillies winning. Mm-hmm. Or is, are the Orioles going to make the World Series? That'd be a hell of a deal for them. Mm-hmm. You know, are the Astros keep rolling, kid. Yeah. All right, you know, people. Brains, Robinson. So, uh, playoffs looking forward to that. Yep. And we will have a full preview next week. So I hope you have a great rest of your week. Uh, good luck with the games you're calling. And uh, enjoy watching football this week. And we'll, we'll talk to you next week, my friend. All right. I'll see you next week. Travis Crins joining me here. Sports Block Podcast. Always appreciate his time as always. Great stuff there. Lots that we uncovered from the, the you know, Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey to the Vikings to all the other happenings in the NFL, college football, and, of course, baseball as we gear up for the MLB playoffs. And, of course, that big Damian Lillard trade that happened a short time ago. We are going to continue, though, talking about college football and the weekend that was. We'll talk about that with Travis. I just talked with Travis. We'll talk about that with Charlie Hildebrand from the Northwest Iowa Review. That's coming up next year on the Sports Block Podcast. It is available on podcast.com and on iTunes. Just search the Sports Block. Follow me on X at Andy Stacken, Facebook Nathan Stacken. Travis is on X slash Twitter at Travis Grins, a link to the podcast, post the middle to later part of each week. How did the weekend in college football live up to Charlie's expectations and hopes? We'll find out next when we speak with him about Notre Dame, Ohio State, and so much more. Coming up next here on the Sports Block Podcast, available on podcast.com and on iTunes. We roll on in this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast, and last week we touted was like the best week of college football that we can remember in quite some time. 
Did it live up to the billing? We're going to break that down more with my good friend from the Northwest Iowa Review. It's Charlie Hildebrand, our resident college football expert. Charlie, how we doing? I'm good. I'm really good. I was supposed to be one of 11 people at work today, though, and only 10 people were there when it mattered most, which is unfortunate. That I is brought a Notre Dame joke there. Yes, it is. That That's very good. Uh, I might say you probably are doing better than Lou Holtz right now trying to get in a word edgewise with uh, – with uh, Ryan Day in Ohio State. But so let's, I guess, start right there because there's I mean, some... the upside, Lou Holtz didn't hear it. He was asleep at that point in time. That is true, but... And he... the next day, they'd be like, do you remember when you said this? And he's like, no, I don't, I don't remember that. So well, he had way more spittle in his mouth. Yeah, uh, you know, uh, I... It's, it's, this is what we're talking about here. When I talk That's actually about pretty good Lou Holtz impression thank there. You, thank you. Thank you very much. Well, I, I should tell you, one time uh, at work, uh, we read a. We were in a team meeting, and there was a quote that we had. Uh, you know, something to do work related wise, or some motivational comment, whatever. And it was by Lou Holtz, and they asked, "Well, who wants to read the quote for today?" And I read it in a Lou Holtz impersonation, and it. Oh man, that's why we're friends, Stack, and I love that you did it that way. It did not fly over very well with uh, <laughs> the with the uh, superiors, uh, but that's fine because it landed with several people in there, and that was the whole point. So, not my fault that you put a quote on by someone who's got a lisp. So, but sorry. Like if it was by Chris Berman, I would have been like. <coughs> Yeah, exactly. Masha, masha, masha. Anyway. Making references to some town that's 25 miles outside of whatever city you're in. Yes. And that's how far a home run went. Yes, yes. I mean, it, it, it landed like a lead balloon for some people, but for others, it was absolutely spot on. So uh, let's just start there because this has gained a little traction here. Lou Holtz apparently stands by his remarks. He says Ohio State's good and not great. This comes on the heels of what I would deem to be the best game of the weekend uh, between uh, Ohio State and Notre Dame. And Ohio State wins at the end because Notre Dame had 10 players on the field for not one, but two plays. And after the game, uh, Jason Day, the Ohio State head coach, was like... Ryan Day. Ryan Day. I said Jason Day. He's a golfer. He's from Australia. Ryan Day, excuse me. Ryan Day was like, oh, uh, oh this game, is, it's for... Like, Lou Holtz. He's doing his professional wrestling promo right yeah, now. Yeah, like, oh, Trying Lou, to build up the pay-per-view. Yeah, Lou Holtz was, uh, like, talking smack about us, saying we're not physical, and oh, there's Ohio State against the world. And, you know what, at the time, I was like, okay, I'm not really sure what Lou Holtz said, but... I like. I didn't know what Lou Holtz had said at the time either. I had to, I think I, well, it wasn't until the next day. So I was like, then I okay. saw his quote. So I was like, okay, Ryan Day sticking up for his team or whatever. It's fine. It's maybe a little eccentric and over the top. But then I kind of listened to more reaction and I'm to what Ryan Day said. I'm like, okay, yeah, Ryan Day, you're kind of being a putz about this. Like, it's not great what Lou Holtz said, but. You really like went above and beyond to make yourself like even more hated because oh it's Ohio against the world Ohio State against the world like shut the hell up um, just th- before we get into the game just thoughts on his the comments made by Ryan Day and everything that kind of fell from that. 
first off, there's nothing that annoys me more than Ohio State or any other fan base that starts saying Ohio versus Milwaukee. Like, there's this there's this little old David in a world full of Goliaths, and if only they, if only Stack and Ohio State can get fans to come to their stadium yes. and could actually spend money on some facilities yeah. and, you know, some weights and things like that, maybe yep. they could have a little bit of success. And maybe, you know, get a few uh, talented guys to go with along all their scrappy try-hard games. Yeah. And, and Ohio State's not by far not the only team that does that. Like, there's all sorts of top 15 programs yes. that act like they're the little engine that good. Yes. And that always kind of annoys me. Absolutely. Um, this is not David versus Goliath. See what I did there? No. <laughs> I, I did like that. Now, if, if Duke wants to act like that against Notre Dame for football, I'd be like, all right. You can convince me of that. I think that's valid. Mm-hmm. But Ohio State against a team that they're more talented than is hilarious to me. And then the other thing, I'm not a Lou Holtz guy. I think everything Lou Holtz said was accurate, though. I mean, I don't think Ohio State's soft by any means. But also, they're not like one of the three or four most physical teams in the country. Exactly. And for the most part, the teams that have beat them have out physical them. And it's what Notre Dame tried to do, which is what they should have done. It was the smart thing to do. And they nearly and it almost it worked. Yes. I mean, yep. even with 10 guys on the field, Ohio State only scored by like three inches or so on mm-hmm. that last play. Exactly. So, I mean, I don't want to take anything away from Ohio State's player. Like, that's a good win on the road that if yes. they keep winning, it's going to be really important. Yes. But uh, it, the other thing, too. And I know that Brian Kelly's not that coach at Notre Dame anymore, but this predates Brian Kelly. Yeah, I'm sure you remember, just like me, there have been so many games that Notre Dame's at this spot. And it's what's Notre Dame going to do? This other team's higher ranked, has more five- and four-star guys than they do, although Notre Dame's pretty talented. And then Notre Dame loses by four touchdowns. And you're just like, oh, yeah, they're definitely – like, they're good. They're clearly not as good as this team. And they were literally inches away from winning. And that's not just on that play, on all sorts of things that they could have done. So, I mean, it's it's a weird way. Like, I don't think this very often. In some ways, I came away impressed with both teams, and that's mm-hmm. hard to do and have happened. Yep. I mean, I think it's I think it's fair. I think this game saved the weekend in college football just based on the billing that we had coming into it and talking about all the ranked, you know, matchups, what, six top, you know, six ranked versus ranked matchups. We had, of course, Clemson and uh, Florida State, and we'll get to that here momentarily. But you had a game where Notre Dame fights and claws their way back. They're up 14 to 10, and it's that last drive. I like I listen. I, I listen to the Dan Levitard show a lot, and they were just howling with laughter over what Al Golden, the defensive coordinator, was doing. And I got to be honest, I, I agree with him. Like he's he botched multiple things here. Now the fourth and seven is a good play. I'm not going to blame Notre Dame for that. But the third and nineteen, after he had brought uh, like blitz and stuff on on second down or whatever, to just rush three guys and drop eight back. And oh, let's just have Marvin Harrison Jr. or whatever, you know, just find a seam in the gap. Like on, on third and nineteen, utter utterly terrible decision. And I think there were a couple of times throughout that final drive that Ohio State had that it was just like what are we doing? What are you doing here, Notre Dame? This is not the way to do it. But then just to cap it all off with 10 guys on the field, not once, but twice, is 
is simply uncalled for. And Marcus Freeman, the head coach, deserves plenty of blame for that. And, you know, what did he say? He didn't want to call timeout because I don't – did Notre Dame have a timeout at the time? I think Notre Dame had won, but Ohio State was out. Sure. And I think and it's worth noting. I think I agree with where you're going with this. Like, you're better off calling a timeout. Yeah. And getting 11 people on the field. Yeah. yeah. With that said, I do understand if it's a young quarterback, which Ohio State's got a young quarterback. This is the, the first big game, at least it's collegiate level, he's ever played it, especially on the road. I do understand the thought of, like, no, we're going to make this guy go out there and roll with it like this. Because the last thing you want to do is give the offensive coordinator or the offensive coordinator's up in the press box, the head coach or the quarterback's coach or whoever offensive coach, mm-hmm. to have a minute and a half, two-minute timeout and be able to put his arm around the quarterback and be like, all right, let me break this down. This is what's going to happen. We're going to go out in this. They're going to come out in one of these two or three things and basically just prep them. I, I totally get that you don't want to do that. Yep. And for the most part, I would say, I agree, don't use your timeout. That makes things easier for them. Don't let them set things up. But I think that that comes with the asterisk of you also need to make sure you have all 11 players on the field, too. Exactly. And you already, you you survived the first time without, uh, you know, by not giving up the touchdown. And then you, the, you knew, okay, I think it's a little different, too, on that, um, on that first play, you know, the, from the one or whatever that was incomplete, you know they have to throw it there because if they run it and get stopped, there's no way they can. Yeah, the game's over. Yeah, then. the they game's over. Time. With three seconds left, the entire playbook is open to you because it is the final play of the game for all intents and purposes. You're either going to run and get in, or it's going to be a pass and incomplete, and, and we're done. Like that. That's it. That is the end of the game. So why not call a timeout and ensure that you have 11 guys on the field? And with that being said, he was inches away from not scoring there. And it even looked like he had lost uh, possession of the football. It wasn't Travion Henderson. It was the other running back that was in there, more of the, the bull rusher, shall we say. And he it looked like he'd lost control of the ball momentarily before regaining it back, so it was going to be a touchdown anyway. But if you have one guy in there, there's maybe not as big of a gap. He's not going to get in, potentially. It's just it's an awful way to lose a game that I thought Notre Dame should have won. I picked them to win it at the outset. Like I, I was a firm believer in what Sam Hartman was doing, a firm believer in what Notre Dame was looking like overall. I wanted this was a, a show me something game, a prove it something game to me for Ohio State, mainly because of of what you had said with the inexperienced young quarterback and Kyle McCord. What can he do? And he was sensational on that final drive. This it's it's a very bad loss for Notre Dame. Now, with that being said, they still have plenty of great opportunities, including one that we didn't expect at the beginning of the year with Duke. Uh, I mean, College Game Day is going to be there this week. It's the first time ever that College Game Day will be in Durham at Duke University. So that is pretty big in and of itself. But this is a chance for Notre Dame to pick themselves, you know, off their feet. You still have USC. You have Clemson. Coming up here, I think there's another game too uh, that I'm, or maybe maybe it was Ohio State. No, re- regardless, if I remember right, there are four big games going into the year, not including Duke. Yep, or NC State, who they already beat, Ohio State, who they lost to, 
and yep. then Clemson and USC. Yes. So if, I, if, if memory serves me, go ahead. So Notre Dame still has everything to play for here. Like, they're not out of it by any stretch. That's not a bad loss to Ohio State, but it's how you lost the game to me that's the that that is the worst part of this. Yeah, you're saying that it's a loss that they easily could have escaped with a win if yes. they would have just had. Yeah, you, I mean, uh, you they may not have they may still scored anyways with 11 guys on the field. We'll never know. Right. But you would certainly like your odds better if you have the full complement of players out there on the final play. Exactly. Exactly. You snatch defeat from the jaws of victory. And again, it wasn't just that one play. It's the third and 19 that they gave up. Uh, if it's just some of the play calls on, on defensively that last um, series. And yes, they could have just easily, you know, if they had moved the ball a little more effectively on their final drive, they would have never even given the ball back to Ohio State. Or maybe given it to them with a minute left, like not a, a ton of time. So the offense deserves some blame for that as well, the incomplete pass that Hartman threw on a potential screen. So that that has a lot to do with it as well. But just overall, that, that last drive was just so disappointing. I think almost encapsulates or captures the, the, the Marcus Freeman um, era of Notre Dame so far to a T, where they're good enough, they beat the teams that they should very easily, but they lose the games to the teams that they're right on par with and they should win at times. They're like, this could be a signature moment, a signature victory for the program, and he just hasn't gotten it yet. True. I mean, they'll, they'll have another chance with USC, who, I mean, I yes. think they're good enough. They, I mean, I don't know that they will beat USC. They're good enough that they definitely could. Yes. The other thing about the game that I think is, like, very much brushed under the rug just because of, you know, the 10 men on the field, the way it finished, the WWE, uh, you know, throw down that Ryan Day was throwing out and all of that stuff. Yep. Uh, Ohio State's defense looked really good on the road, played really well. Yes. Holding Notre Dame to 14 points. An Ohio State team that has always been loaded with talent, at times maybe didn't always live up to their potential defensively, and there are times to be confused, being like, how come you're not able to slow some of these other teams down more? And I mean, if they play like they did against Notre Dame for the most part, I think their defense won't be a problem. Mm-hmm. I would agree with that. So, I mean, we'll see what Ohio State does. I'm still not a belief, a full believer in Ohio State. I don't think they're. Going... And you want to see what they do against another physical team that maybe you know I don't know they play at the end of the regular season, perhaps. Yeah, potentially on the road, you know, in a big house, you know, something like that. I just want to see what I. I don't know if they're still college football playoff material. Uh, if they beat Michigan, then by all means, certainly they sh- they deserve to be in the college football playoff. But I, we should I, throw Penn State there too. Penn yes. State looks good too, yes. and that, they're going to have to play Penn State before. Well, Michigan. okay, let's let's just let's just touch on Penn State right now. They beat Iowa thirty-one to nothing. What is CBS doing putting that game as the highlight game? Like oh, Iowa had seventy-six yards of offense. I think I heard this stat correct that. They had six more yards than the Dolphins did. Ha- uh, than the Dolphins had points on Sunday. It's not great for Iowa. I mean, if you're a CBS person, you're thinking that Iowa's just going to be able to get a scoop and score on defense, and Cooper DeJean's going to return a punt for a touchdown. And you're going to be like, yeah, you know, their offense won't do a lot. It'll probably be 17-14 in the fourth quarter, and obviously it didn't work out that way. It just it, it's a bad look. But, yeah, Penn State looks really good here. So, yeah, that win against Ohio State – 
or by Ohio State against them would help. I still look at the Big Ten and I'm like, I don't trust these teams. I have far more faith and confidence in the Pac-12, which is so unbelievably bizarre to say, I think, for a lot of us, than I do in the Big Ten. Uh, But, you know, we'll see how it all kind of unfolds throughout the rest of the season. The season is still very young. It's a great win for Ohio State. I just needed to see a little bit more, and, and Notre Dame still has everything to play for yet, but you have to beat Duke. You lose to Duke this weekend, this upcoming week, they're done. Like, it doesn't really matter what Notre Dame can do at this point, even by beating USC, even by beating, you know, Clemson. They're not in the in the fold. They're not in the mix anymore. I mean, you're right, but not just Duke. If Notre Dame loses to anybody, right. I mean, they're going to be out unless yes. we get pure 2007 unadulterated chaos. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, one of the other marquee matchups that we had talked about last week, Oregon against Colorado, and I think it, it made a lot of people happy that Oregon pantsed Deion Sanders and the Buffs on uh, on Saturday. 42-6, to Oregon clobbers him. Now, granted, Travis Hunter didn't play for Colorado, who knows how much closer the game would have been? Would Oregon have scored fewer points? Would Colorado have scored a few more? I mean, it maybe makes a difference of one touchdown either way. I, I mean, would, I think I would say one, maybe fourteen. One guy, points. unless it's like an all-time great quarterback, isn't making up more than like four to seven points. You're right. I think it would have been like a 35-14, 35-13, something like that. Oregon would have still covered. That was a sensational performance by Bo Nix and the Ducks. And uh, certainly this was the chance for Colorado to prove it to everyone that, hey, we're, we're great and everything. But you kind of are starting to see that maybe there are some cracks there that, uh, you know, games the games against TCU and, and uh, Nebraska to begin the year, everyone is so happy. But now the last two games against Colorado State and Oregon, it's like, okay, Colorado's maybe coming back down to earth a little bit. Maybe the expectations for everyone else should come back down for this Deion Sanders-led uh, Buffs team. Yeah, I mean, I think they're still good. I mean, they yeah. could be good and be the seventh best team in the Pac-12 still. You know, I mean, yeah. I think they're going to go to a bowl game. But, yeah, if anyone was thinking they were going to go like 11-1 or 10-2, and they just don't have the dudes in the trenches for that. And, I and unless Dion's kick plays at a Cam Newton 2010 level, <laughs> which I don't know. I mean, maybe Joe Burrow did that and a couple other guys. And I'm not, I think Dion's kid's plenty good, but yes. not at that level. And yep. If you're not doing that, there's only so much you can do. And, you know, more than anything, I think Oregon's just more talented than Colorado is. Exactly. And now – Like Colorado- across the board, especially on the offensive and defensive lines, which is where you're going to do. Colorado's really going to have problems and now against Col- good teams. And now Colorado's going to have to face USC this week. Now, granted, it's going to be a very early kickoff time. Again, 10 a.m. local – for Colorado and USC on Saturday, it'll be it'll feel like 9 a.m. for the uh, for the Trojans. So we'll see what USC if they come out a little lethargic or whatever. Maybe Colorado can capitalize on that. But USC puts up points in bunches, and I don't see how Colorado's defense is going to be able to slow down USC at all on Saturday. I just think USC is going to run away with it. And then it's if Fox was touting this as the game of the year in college football, it's like, okay. I did think that was funny when it's like, well, Colorado just got blown out. So it's not 
a huge. I mean, it's a, it's kind of a big game, but nowhere near what it was if they would have won. Yes, yeah, or even just played close. A, a top five or top ten USC team with Heisman Trophy, uh, former Heisman Trophy winner and probably the leader in the clubhouse right now for a second Heisman Trophy and Caleb Williams against unranked Colorado, the game of the year. Come on. The upside for Colorado is USC's defense is great. So You're I think right. it's possible, especially if uh, Hunter's able to play. Yep. That you, the Colorado could maybe hang with them offensively. Yes. But like you said, I, I think Colorado's going to have an incredibly difficult time slowing down USC. And, and like you said, like if you're Colorado, you'll be catching napping. I don't know if Colorado's going to catch anybody napping this year. I mean, maybe the maybe TCU, but since then, it's like nope, they are loud and brash. And I mean, they can do that. I don't want to make it sound like you can't do that. Mm-hmm. But it's also going to be a lot harder for you to be like, oh no, they're going to slip under the radar. Like it's they're they're not a slip under the radar team anymore. No, you're right, and they're going to get everyone's best shot because of the target that Dion has put on the backs of all of them, and that's that's just a reality. And this is the first real test of adversity that Colorado has faced this year coming off the loss so we'll see how they handle that I just think USC is going to have way too much firepower for Colorado to, to stay with um, but having said that Boulder is a somewhat difficult place to play for for USC in, in the past in history same thing I mean it's not Salt Lake City they just I mean that's a a terrible place to play for USC. They struggle with Utah year in and year out. But um, Boulder isn't a cakewalk either. But I do think that they will win this week. But we'll um, so yeah. I think uh, USC is going to hand Colorado a second straight loss. Speaking of Utah, they beat UCLA fourteen to seven. A very unimpressive game. But Utah's four and zero with no Cam Rising. So. I mean, can you imagine once Rising comes back? Remember, he tore his ACL in the Rose Bowl last year. How much better Utah is going to look and how much more of a factor? I mean, they're already a factor, but how much more of a factor they're going to be in the Pac-12 discussion and in the college football playoff? In general, I think that's right. It is worth noting to see it. I mean, I don't know when he's supposed to come back. Um if it's not for a bit here and they get to 6-0, 7-0, then you start running into the issue of it's hard to be like, hey, this other quarterback has led us to all these wins, but we're going to take him out now. Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying they they should or shouldn't do it, but there are times that you get into weird locker rooms things then, potentially. But. Yep. I don't think there will be an issue, though, with it, just given how much Cam Rising's meant to the program. Um and how much he's done for them. So I don't think that will be the case. And plus, you only scored 14 points against UCLA at home. It's not That's like true. it's not like the uh, UCLA's really... fairly good, but yeah, they're they're defense. They're yeah, they're not uh they're not Georgia's defense. Last week, didn't you say that Lane Kiffin may be able to help like uh like solve the world's problems if he beat Nick Saban? Like we were turning the world into a different just um dimension or something like that didn't we talk about that i think we did and it definitely didn't work out that way i mean it's not like alabama solved all of their issues there's still plenty of issues in tuscaloosa but you know what lane maybe you should just shut up with your 
you know, pregame tweets or your press conferences, like poking fun at Alabama and Nick Saban, because it never works out for him. It just doesn't. Nick Saban once again um, takes care of Ole Miss. Alabama wins twenty-four to ten. Jackson Dart not very good for Ole Miss. So uh, once again, Lane Kiffin looks like a fool. I mean, it was a big weekend for professional wrestling. You got yes. Ryan Day's promo on Lou Holtz. You had uh, Dan Lanning's in the Oregon pregame about how they're, you know, Colorado's all style and substance, and we're going to, you know, or they're all style, we're all style, or whatever it was he said. Yes. They, and then certainly Lane, Lane Giffen building up the game with Alabama mm-hmm. like it was a WrestleMania match, and then the downside, like you said, there's times Lane's done that before and then not held up his end of the bargain. Uh, I mean, he's good at marketing, but, you know, if you're going to do that, you probably want to uh, to play better. Um, it was very strange. And uh, and also he had more stuff like after the game. I don't remember what it was, but tweeted something about like, well, that's the last time we'll ever play the GOAT. It's like, are you saying Nick Saban's going to retire? Are you leaving to go to the NFL? What's, what's going on here? He just he just doesn't he's one of those guys that you you want to like but then he just says stuff and like I can't even get on your side like you're such a douche like stop Joey Freshwater says things that you don't like Yeah it does it's bad I, this was a very underrated game uh, and I think it's time now that we start talking about uh, Cam Ward and Washington State a little bit more they beat Oregon State DJ Uyagalale uh I mean Washington State was in control of this game pretty much from the get-go. Oregon State made a, a, a comeback, but ultimately couldn't get the job done. Cam Ward's really playing well. He We showed glimpses of it last year, but never really put it all together. It seems like he's done that this year. And in the game, the, 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 the Pac-2 game, uh, and this also got some controversy because Lee Corso in his old age was saying the no one wants us bowl and Oregon or Washington State's head coach said no one wants us said that Lee Corso said no one wanted us bowl and then that got Ryan Leaf into a tizzy with Kirk Herbstreet and it's just like oh my god can we just like not have the drama here and maybe this is a sign that Lee Corso needs to either enunciate or someone needs to enunciate for him or he just needs to be off of college game day in general i think it's the latter or the the third option there regardless washington state looks really good i still like oregon state but cam ward is really impressive right now and he may be starting to get into the heisman trophy candidacy here i mean he could the other thing that's something we would not have expected going into the season is if it's a washington state guy you think, are you going to get enough high-profile games? But the Pac-12's been good enough. There could be a whole bunch of high-profile matchups for them to do things. And, mm-hmm. You know, I, I don't know how good anybody in the Big Ten West really is, but Wisconsin only has one loss, and it's to Washington State. Mm-hmm. And they beat both Washington State and Oregon State. Like, by no means is that uh, the most impressive resume in the country, but through four games, it's better than most teams are. Exactly. I mean, I think there's teams that have one better win than that. I don't know if there's very many that have two wins as good as that, though. Exactly. Nope, I, I completely agree with you there. I'm just looking at the, the scroll here on the scores and whatnot, and this game doesn't matter at all, I don't think, in the grand scheme of things. But did you see that catch that, was it Ryan Purcell made for Florida 
against Charlotte, the one-handed catch, like, up in the air, just, like, grabbing it right on the air. Not at the apex, but, like, right... It's an incredible catch. Did you see this catch that... uh, Ricky Purcell, sorry, not Ryan. Ricky, did you see this catch? I did not see it. Oh, my God. Just YouTube it. It, do Do you have access to video right now that you can... That you can watch this catch. Okay, hold on one second. Here. Okay. Said Ricky Purcell's his name. Ricky, Ricky Purcell. Yep. Purs- per- Purcell or yeah, I mean I think it's Purcell, but uh, yes, P E A R S A L L. So I want to get this in real time here. How you uh, your reaction to this catch? Okay, hold on. I type that in. First, first YouTube thing. Florida wide receiver, Ricky Purcell, unreal catch versus Charlotte. I'm assuming that's probably Yes, yeah, that would be it. Okay, hold on. I got to skip an ad for Thursday Boots quick. Okay. <laughs> Full screen. All right, let's see here. Drops back to pass, throws it. Oh, wow, that was – when you said one-handed catch, that was not the way I thought it was going to go. I thought it was going to be like he just reaches out one-handed – Catches it, not he leaps into the air and does a diet version of Odell Beckham Jr.'s touchdown catch. And then he gets that was pretty impressive, though. And then he gets. I went in the way you said this. I was like, "Oh man, this is going to be underwhelming." Now, like, this isn't going to be as good. That was better than I thought it was going to be. That was pretty impressive. I mean, it's the way he catches it. It's not like he's falling back like OBJ did against Dallas on that Sunday night game. It's he catches it right in the middle, and then he gets just trucked. By a couple of Charlotte, I think he drew a follow on a uh, personal foul on the flag on the on the play. It's it's an incredible catch, and it's you know going to be the highlight of Florida's season. You don't think they're going to? You know, I mean, they could be like seven and five and go to the Independence Bowl, maybe. And they'll lose like uh, to Oregon State, like they did last year. They'll lose to someone, thirty to three or whatever, because. If it's not a big, bowl. I mean that does sound like that's a pretty realistic yeah. scenario. Just it is so great, great catch there. Um, Florida State, Clemson. This was the game that kind of started everything for us on Saturday. Uh, Clemson came out; they played really well. They were up by ten points multiple times. Seemed like they had things going. And then third quarter, Kate Klubnik. Never trailed in regulation, if I remember right. You're right. Clemson did. You're Wasn't right. Wasn't until overtime. I don't understand how he does not feel the pressure there on that on that play, on that blitz. Like, he has a lot of time, too, because it's not like it was two or three seconds. Or maybe it was three seconds. Regardless, he had plenty of time. He doesn't feel the blitz at all. Loses it. Like, Clemson's in control of the game at that point. And I believe they had it in Florida State territory when he fumbles it and then it's returned for a touchdown. That's, I think... I believe that's correct. I think took a lot of wind out of the sails of Clemson. And then to have that kicker who was overseas, apparently, and he had been with Clemson for a few years and somehow had some eligibility left, and he misses, what, a 29... Yeah, like, was not on the team, apparently, at the beginning of the season. Yes. And they needed someone. And we're like, hey, can you come back? And 
Like, I, I don't remember. I forget now if this was his first or his second week back on the team. I think but, it's his first. I I, I really do. Yeah. I don't I don't think it was. And did you remember the all time great line about that too? No, I don't. What, 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 the what two announcers, one of the announcers, the color commentator guy was Greg Backel, if I remember right. Oh, Joe Tessitore. No, no, not Joe Tessitore. I forget who the play by play guy was, but it, it, it may not have been Greg Backel, but I'm pretty sure it was. That, you know, they're like, oh, wow, this could be a storybook ending. And then, you know, this is the field goal, so, you know, they're not going to win in regulation. And Greg McElroy, who or I think it was McElroy, said something to the effect of like, oh, no, that could have been the storybook ending, and we just didn't get it. And a play-by-play guy said, I mean, this isn't word for word. Mm-hmm. But essentially said, like, well, the, the writers are still on strike. So, and I burst out laughing harder than I probably should have at that. But I was just like, that's not great line that is funny i'm i'm checking to see who was uh who was calling the game there it could have been dave pash i'm wondering because i think joe tessitore it might have been it i mean i i don't know i have everybody's voice memorized yeah i know it was a voice i've definitely heard many times so you I, might be right with that i, I feel like tessitore was at okay joe tessitore was doing fl- okay let, let me get back here uh let's See, I gotta find this here because Joe Tessitore apparently is doing Florida and Kentucky this week, but that's not what I want. I want, uh, I want, I want. Okay, I'll get it here momentarily. But um, like Clemson now is zero two in ACC conference play for the first time since two thousand ten, I believe. I heard that's the first year that Dabble Sweeney was the head coach at Clemson. And the full time. Are we, uh, it was full, I was thinking 09 was Dabo's first year as bad coach. But okay. It was right. early but in his time. Long tenure. enough ago? You know how long ago that was, Stacking? At the beginning of the 2010 college football season, we had not met each other yet. It wasn't until week three or four when I came onto the radio show with you and Travis oh. that I met you for the first time in whatever September of 2010. Wow. That is. So a- that's how long ago. Now, granted. They weren't 0-2 at that point in the conference play, mm-hmm. I don't think. But but still, that, that goes to show you how long it's been. I mean, this is this was Clemson's chance. I think this is kind of their last-ditch effort to show people, like, hey, the eight, like we're still a factor in the ACC here. But now that Florida State was able to survive that, they survived BC a couple weeks ago. Florida State has, I think, answered all of the, the critics, all of the questions, all of the pundits, and... Yeah, they shouldn't have any problems here moving forward. And uh, it was Sean McDonough and Greg McElroy. So you were right with Greg McDonough. It was Sean or Greg McElroy. Sean McDonough was the play-by-play That's right. guy. That's right. Because I want to say, uh, Joe, yeah, Joe Tessitore and Jesse Palmer were in uh, Eugene for Colorado and Oregon. So that makes sense. Yeah, that that's just a, a very tough. That's a tough way to lose that game for Clemson, who played so well for so much of that game. Um, but yeah, they're toast, and Florida State seems like they're going to run away with the ACC. I mean, unless Duke beats them, can we get Florida State and Duke? Actually, I don't. I should say I don't remember if they play in the regular they season. They do. Or not. They do in a couple of weeks down in Tallahassee, and. This, the ACC has six teams right now that are 4-0. So th- that's kind of a, something that's gone under the radar a bit with everything else going on regarding Dion and the Pac-12 and 
and you know Ryan Day yelling at Lou Holtz and everything is that the ACC has six teams that are four and zero this year. I didn't realize they had six that were four now. If you told me that there were four, I would have been like, all right, I could buy four. Six surprises me. Do you, Who is it? Okay, so I know yeah. obviously it's Florida State, Duke. Mm-hmm. Um, is North Carolina still undefeated? They are. I think they are. Yes, they are. Is Pittsburgh still undefeated? Oh, no. No, that's a bad no. year for Pittsburgh. They're one in three. Yeah, I was way off on that. I'm trying to think who else it could be. Not NC State. They lost to Notre Dame. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I'm assuming Wake Forest isn't undefeated without Sam Hartman now. That is correct. Who am I forgetting that could be? Boston College isn't. They lost to Florida State. Mm-hmm. You want me to give is you Miami the Is Miami still undefeated? They are, yes. So you have, so that's you four. have four of them. Yep, you have UNC, Duke, Florida State, and Miami. There are two others remaining. Gosh, who am I forgetting? It's not Virginia or Virginia Tech, right? Nope. Bad, bad year for Virginia Tech. Yeah, I was going to say, I was pretty sure it was not either of those two. Yep. This is the other thing, is that since the the, the divisions aren't geographic, mm-hmm. I can't think of it in terms of just like, oh, let me think of everyone in this division and everyone in this division. Right. Because I never remember who's in every division. Mm-hmm. Is Syracuse still undefeated? They are still undefeated, yes. Gosh, I was going to have you give me the rest. If I'm only one away, I would at least take one more guess quick yep. without yep. hopefully taking up for forever. Let's see. Who else Who else could it be? There's the two Florida schools. There's no one else in Florida. I don't even know if I've seen Georgia Tech play this year. It's not Georgia Tech, is it? It is not. Nope. All right. Who's the last one? Louisville. Oh, right. I forgot about Louisville. Yep, Jeff Brom doing a great job there with uh, with Louisville so far. So that's yeah, that's what we got here. Um, I hate Minnesota. I don't know how. Yeah, who would have thought that AC the ACC in the Pac twelve would be like, hey, guess what? We're the cream of the crop this year, baby. Right, right. I hate Minnesota. They lose. They blow a thirty-one to ten lead to Northwestern in the fourth quarter and lose in overtime. They're like. You should just fold the season. Do you want, right do you want me to be smartass Charlie or supportive Charlie? Uh, that smartass Charlie would be better. Well, I mean, the upside is at least we know that it's a really good Northwestern team coached yes. by Pat uh, Fitzgerald, who clearly is, you know, echoing teams of yesteryear under Fitzgerald. Yes. It's just, oh, wait, like, no, actually, that's not the case. That's just, I, I, didn't, like, I, I didn't think Northwestern was. Once that happened, Fitz was gone. I didn't think Northwestern would win a single Big Ten game. I didn't either. I I thought Minnesota. I, I mean, you throw in a three touchdown lead, and I mean, I think Minnesota. I mean, all jokes aside, and I know the comeback and everything. Blah blah blah. I think Minnesota still got a decent defense, and Northwestern's offense is not going to be good. I think throughout the year. Agreed. I, I think this is just going to be one of those games we're going to look back on. And be like, how the hell did this happen? This doesn't make any sense. I agree. Like I, in in um, Ethan Kaliak Manis didn't play great against UNC the week before, and he wasn't spectacular in this one. The Minnesota offense wasn't great, but they were doing enough. I all of a sudden the defense just forgot to play in the fourth quarter. PJ Fleck was went ultra conservative. Like 
this is not a good game for P.J. Fleck, and I think a lot of the mystique now could start to wear off if they don't respond and rebound here effectively because you do have Ohio State and Michigan still coming up on the schedule. Uh, th- those are two guaranteed losses. You have to go to Iowa. That's a loss. I mean, th- this was a team that I thought could, like 8-4 and four was probably the ceiling for them this year, but... You lose to Northwestern, now all bets are off as far as I'm concerned. Like, that's that's a very, very bad loss. It's a bad loss, and on top of that, I mean, obviously you can't change results now, but their one incredible fourth down catch not happening away from being one and three. Exactly. Right yes. Yes. Yeah, absolutely. There's no, there's no disputing that. There's no disputing that. Last week, I asked you what, like, when all of the the dust settled over week four, what uh, what you were what the what you were hoping for, like what you thought this weekend was going to be, I think you said it was a seven out of ten, if I re- if I recall I, correctly. I did. And do you remember the example that I gave? I I'm trying to remember, but please uh, uh, refresh my memory. I said I thought it would be like the sequels to Ocean's Eleven. Oh yes, that you'd yep. be like, I'm excited for this, and then you watch it, and you're like, well. It wasn't as good as I thought it would be or wanted it to be. But if I'm being honest, it was still fun, and I enjoyed it, and I had a good time. But it did not reach those heights of, like, oh, my God, this is incredible. So what would you— And I think that's a pretty action—I mean, I'm I'm wrong all the time, I guess, and I'm predicting stuff like this. I feel like that was a pretty good statement, though, and in a lot of ways, that was true. If Ohio State and Notre Dame wouldn't have played out how it would have, then it would have fallen completely flat. But I think that was a big enough game and a good enough game at the night game, you know, and also the weird things that happened at the end of the post-game stuff made it just interesting enough that you're like, yeah, you know, I'll take that. That was good. Oh, I think it definitely saved it. I think between, I think Clemson and Florida State was great. Uh, It was good. Like that was, like I said, that's a good appetizer leading us to all, because that was the, not a ranked versus ranked matchup. Uh, Colorado and Oregon failed miserably, unless you didn't like Colorado, in which case you were very happy with the result. But I do think Ohio State and Notre Dame saved it all. And Oregon State-Washington State is the game that flew completely under the radar for everyone, and it was truly exciting. So if I were to uh, give a score, I would give it a 6. It didn't meet, it didn't exceed the expectations we had going in. But it was just off a little bit. Like, I can't downgrade it that much. So what would you ultimately grade it the week as? I mean, I think I'd stick with what I said as a 7. I think 6 is fair. I think somewhere in that range where it's above a 5. I mean, there was enough big things that you like it. But it clearly is, like, not going to be a weekend we're talking about six weeks from now or a year from now. I mean, it's possible we'll remember that Ohio State-Notre Dame game. I'm not to be mean-spirited. You'll probably remember the Northwestern Minnesota aspect of it. Yes. I will probably remember some things I was upset about at Nebraska's offensive coordinator. But, you know, they still end up winning, so I'm okay with that now. But but I think aside from some of those things, there's not going to be a lot we'll remember. But, but it, I, it was still a good week that I think for most people, overall, you would say, like, yeah, this this was decent. This week, it kind of gets – we get things kicked off here early – with uh, a, a ranked matchup on Friday night on FS1, 9 p.m. Eastern, 8 p.m. Central Time, Utah at Oregon State. Can Oregon State bounce back 
from that loss to uh, Washington State. Can Utah continue their run here and keep their undefeated season going? That's a tremendous matchup here uh, that not a lot of people are going to look at, but certainly Friday night's like, ooh, that's a good game to watch. I'm looking forward oh, to that. Oh, that's on one. Friday? That's Friday, yep. Oh, man, I'm going to miss all that then. I'll be at work. Well, that's I mean, there's but. really there's a late... Uh, it's, I guess it's Big 12 after dark here. We got Cincinnati at BYU at 10.15 p.m. Eastern, 9.15 p.m. Central Time on ESPN. Will you be able to see Cincinnati at BYU? Not unless it goes 17 overtimes. Yeah. On Friday during football season, it's usually between about 2 and 2.45 in the Ugh. morning when I'm done. Well, so. that, that sucks. So it's yeah. unlikely. It's not impossible. Although with the new clock rule, yeah, you know, with the new clock rules, I'd say it's pretty unlikely. Well, and stupid- if it was the old clock rules and there were a bunch of stoppages, maybe, it, you know, then maybe, but. And the stupid overtime rules now where you have the two-point conversion starting a third overtime, I mean, that's why Indiana beat Akron 29-27 last weekend. I mean, that's that's just terrible. I know college football had the best. It's I love college football, and there are things they do so well, and then they're just like, you know what, let's shoot ourselves in the foot. This is great for us. Yeah, let's just change it and make it kind of worse now. Exactly. Kind of like Ted Danson in the, in the good place. We're about talking about humans and yogurt. But it's like, you know, it's one of those things that humans just kind of make a little bit worse. And it's like, yeah, there's, there's a lot of truth to that. There certainly is. On, on, uh, on Saturday, though, we have a number of... Uh, three uh, ranked versus ranked matchups that include Kansas, number 24, at number three, Texas, 3.30 p.m. Eastern, 2.30 p.m. Central Time on ABC. It, despite this being a ranking, I don't think it's going to be all that close. I think Texas uh, cruises to an uh, easy victory against Kansas, though. I mean, Kansas Texas is, has had some weird bugaboos with Kansas, they though. They have. They have. So there's that's... This seems like a different Texas team, so you know, take that for what it's worth. And this is not the same like Kansas squads that we've seen in the past. This is a very good Kansas team. I still think Texas wins that game fairly easily. Oh, it's two years in a row. Kansas is four and out now. Yeah. Yep. We have, would have thought that. We have 13th ranked LSU at 20th ranked Ole Miss. 6 p.m. Eastern, 5 p.m. Central Time on ESPN. This is a game that LSU ha- absolutely has to win. You know, Ole Miss, we'll see how deflated they are coming off of that game against Alabama. And they truly don't look as good as uh, maybe their, their ranking is. And then the big one, like I said, college game is going to be their Notre Dame 11th ranked at 17th ranked Duke, 7.30 p.m. Eastern, 6.30 p.m. Central Time on ABC. I, I think it's going to be tough for Notre Dame to come back after that tough loss to Ohio State. But they also see what still lies ahead of them. Like, you have to be ready for the next game here. And in this case, against Duke, like, there will be a lot of, you know, the, the, the atmosphere in that stadium will be electric. Though, will it be as electric as it was against Clemson? I don't know. Certainly the buildup, the lead-up with College Game Day being there will be big. But I think Notre Dame is going to respond nicely. I think Sam Hartman has another big game or has a, a good bounce-back game. I think Notre Dame wins that one against Duke. That's what I'm hoping for anyway. But what are you hoping for this weekend? What are you looking at? What, what intrigues you the most? 
Um, I think, I mean, not, well, actually, I was going to say Nebraska, but Nebraska plays Michigan, and I don't think that's going to be pretty. Um, Well, you know what, though? That's in Nebraska, is it not? It's in Lincoln. I do think that there's, like, a a realistic scenario that it's close at halftime, maybe, Mm -hmm. but I don't think that, uh, by the end of the game, I don't think it will be. I mean, I think Nebraska's defense is good. I don't think it's great, but I think it's good. But their offense is so putrid at times. And I think Michigan will still be good enough to be like, oh, hey, actually, we're up by 14 points. What if we just have like a 15 play, 80 yard drive that takes eight minutes off the clock and score a touchdown? It's like, well, this game's over now. Um, I mean, outside of Michigan having seven turnovers or something like that, right. but I don't think that's going to happen. Um, but, but to your question about the things this weekend. I think Notre Dame and Dukes is the is the big one for me. I think for obvious reasons, but just, you know, it's a big game for Duke. Dukes at home. We already saw Duke in a big game beat Clemson. And then the other interesting thing for Notre Dame having to turn around after playing Ohio State is the shoes essentially flipped. Where Notre Dame is the Ohio State, and you know, Wake for the Wake Forest and Duke is essentially the Notre Dame. Where you know, Notre Dame's more talented than Duke. If Duke wants to win, especially at home, they're going to have to be like, hey, you know what? We need to take our chances when we get them. We're probably going to have to try to out-physical them and do things like this. And, we're, you know, hopefully it's a game in the fourth quarter where we can get one big drive. And, I mean, I think Notre Dame's talented enough. They could definitely win. They probably, they probably should win. It's going to be hard, though, I think, to turn around after a tight loss to Ohio State and go into what I would assume is going to be the most electric Duke home football atmosphere ever, or at least in you know seventy years, because Duke was like pretty good in the forties at times. But mm-hmm. you know, like most people, most people alive uh, were not alive when that happened, and if they were, were not old enough to really like care or think about it. So. Exactly. I mean, yeah, I think that the atmosphere for the game against Clemson was big. Clemson had a lot of fans there. Notre Dame will have a lot of fans at this one too, though I don't think quite as many. As what Clemson had. Um, Michigan State plays at Iowa. And that's the big game, the Big Ten game of the week on NBC. 7.30 p.m. Eastern, 6.30 p.m. Central Time on NBC. Why this game is... They're putting, they're putting Iowa's offense back in prime time for the second week in a row. Yes. I mean, yep. I, know it's, I know it wasn't NBC last week, but, yep. but from, still. From CBS to NBC, I, I don't get what CBS and NBC are seeing and in these matchups, like, I just don't, but I just, do you care to guess what the spread is for this game? I'm going to guess it's Iowa by six and a half. Double that. It's Iowa by 13? Yeah, 12 and a half. Yeah, 12 I'm and sorry, a half. I misled you a little bit. I should have said practically double it. They're 12 and a half point favorites. I'm looking at what the over-under is right now. That was what I was going to ask, what the over-under is, because I'm not a gambler, but I'm like, you know what, maybe I should bet the under on this. I will always bet the under with Iowa games, because uh, that's what their players do. So, if they they know. So, go for that. The over-under is 36.5. So, somehow, somehow, they think, Vegas thinks that the score is going to be somewhere in the lines of like 24 to 11. Like, no, I don't know how Michigan, I mean, Michigan State sucks. How does, how does Iowa? Michigan State's bad. 
Like, no, Iowa's offense is bad, but I think they're good enough on defense, especially defense and special teams, that they'll be able to win enough games to, I mean, they could still win West, but, but yeah, their, their offense is really gross. I mean, the drive for 25, I think we can already, you know, start writing the eulogy for Brian Ferentz as offensive coordinator. You never, I think I saw somewhere that with the shutout, they now have to average 27 points a game the rest of the season to get to 25 and, that's I, why they, I, I do not see that coming. That's why they kept running the score up against Western Michigan and scoring all those touchdowns. They, they score 41 against Western Michigan. They have to bank those points for games like last week against Penn State where they don't score a damn point at all. Like, and they're often, I mean, I could see Iowa winning like 24 to 3. Yes. Where their offense doesn't score a single point the entire game either. Oh, it's yeah. like, wow, we had two special teams touchdowns and a defensive touchdown. Yep. And a field goal that was set up by a 70 yard punt return to be dead. And then our offense couldn't do anything with it. Oh, for sure. Caden uh, McNamara, 459 yards, four touchdowns, three interceptions this year. Woof. That's bad. Another big matchup, though, North Dakota at South Dakota State. Uh, North Dakota's offense looks pretty doggone good. Uh, Do we see North Dakota potentially pulling off this upset here in Brookings? I think they're good enough that they could do it. I mean, I hope it doesn't happen. I mean, obviously, as a South Dakota State guy. Yes. um, I do think South Dakota State's going to win, but, you know, it's a big matchup. That's not going to be easy. And, Mm -hmm. you know... I think this has been true for a while. I mean, even though they weren't national champions before this past year, they were still good enough that they were routinely getting team's best shot because, you know, they were ranked in the top five or the top three. But it's just different after you're like, hey, we're number one and we're the defending champions. And, you know, with, especially with big games, it's not going to be easy. I mean, it's it's possible that South Dakota State could play really well and win by three touchdowns, mm-hmm. and I would say it's still not going to come easy. Like, they're going to have to go out and get it because they're going to get a good team's, like, absolute best shot, too. Exactly. Um, and I, I saw this here. I think it was from Zach Borg from the D- Dakota News Corporation or whatever. You know, it used to be at – KDLT and then uh, in Sioux Falls and then they merge whatever. So he's with that group or whatever. Zach Borg, um, he had, he threw out this little trivia question that um, Mark is it Ren- the red zone one? No, it's that Mark Gronowski has lost only one game to an FCS level team, in which he started the game and finished the game because we have to factor that in with the Sam Houston State. Uh, National title game in the spring of 2021. Yeah, what do you got? What was he tore his or it whatever his it was? I know it was really early. Yep. He... Yep. Uh, what one FCS team has he lost to? I mean, I would assume it's North Dakota State, but the way you're asking this, I'm assuming that it's a trick question and that's not the case. It's... So I'm. I don't know this. I cheated. I'm going to guess it's North Dakota, though. You are correct. You are correct. So. The only reason I guessed that was the way you set it up, yep. though. That's the only reason I set yep. it that way. Yeah, so it's just something to keep an eye on here. With uh... this, this was the stat I thought you were going to say. This is one oh. that one of my uh, okay my friends that lives in Montana sent me. In South Dakota State's last four, or wait, in their fourteen games since last season, so dating back to last year, okay, in fourteen games, South Dakota State 
has scored on 57 straight attempts to the opponent's red zone. 44 touchdowns, 13 field goals, 100% of the time on their last 57 trips to the red zone, they've scored. Wow. And that's just absurd. That is. Uh, let's hope that that's... And, and not like, hey, half of them are field goals. Like, what was... I know I said... 44, 44, 44 out of, out of the 57 have been touchdowns. That's a pretty high percentage there. Pretty yeah. high percentage. Well, hopefully they will uh, they'll succeed and we won't have to, you know, play, oh, no, they're, they've lost a game now. Everything is, it, the, the sky is falling. Hopefully that is not the case here. But uh, we'll see what happens there. It's, it sounds like it's going to be a sellout crowd, which is good here. It is the last week in September here. So come October here, to, I would say in a couple of weeks, well, it's going to start to become game time here on uh, the Sports Block podcast here regarding college football. We're going to play some When Will They? And, of course, then Bull Bounder. Oh, right. I forgot about that. Yes, and Bull Bounder Not will make its triumphant return here probably later October. Uh, Nice. Jackson and Wyoming's favorite game. Yes, yes. Um, And, of course, Casper in Wyoming as well. Big, uh, you know, he doesn't go. He he boohoo's when we don't play it. So, uh, but he is very friendly. Still, he is, he is, and we appreciate him reaching out as well. Helen A in Montana, always she's a delight. Raleigh in North Carolina. Um, this game sweeps the nation. Oh, the the games that we play sweep the nation. So, uh, looking forward to getting those games started up in October, and looking forward to doing that with you. Anything else uh, that uh, you would like to discuss or mention? regarding college football before we say so long or do you want to just spend a minute to gloat about your dolphins Ooh, that's a good point i should yeah it's weird i i don't think it was until like 35 to 13 that i was like all right i feel pretty comfortable that miami's gonna win this game <laughs> and then they doubled their score after that and they could have put up more yeah they had five touchdowns at halftime and then they added five more in the second half and I mean, if you if we want to be a you know cocky smartass, Charlie, I'd be like, well, you know, they haven't done it recently, but I'm a Nebraska fan, so I've seen 70 points many times before. Your I do not expect to ever see an NFL team do it in my lifetime, though. Your backup running back had over 200 yards and four touchdowns. Your running backs, Raheem Mostert and Devin Achain, had eight of the ten touchdowns. I think I saw somewhere that Mostert, depending on what fantasy league style you're in had like 42 points and was not even the top scoring running back on his own team. I know. So just how absurd that is. It is it is insane. Can you imagine if you had him on your team and like Keenan Allen who put up a ton of points uh for the Chargers against the Vikings on Saturday. Can you imagine the like losing a game uh, losing one of your fantasy games for that week if you had Keenan Allen or Tyreek Hill and Raheem Mostert on your team, like just insane. But you yeah, the only thing now is I hope that they can stay healthy and keep this rolling. I mean, clearly they're not going to score seventy points every week. I mean, I don't think they're going to score seventy points again the rest of the season. I know that's not going out on a limb saying that, but I mean, it would be great if they could continue this run. I mean, whether you're a Dol- I mean, I, I'm assuming you don't care either way since the Dolphins are in the AFC, but. I feel like it would be fun to have like kind of the next every five or six years team that you watch their offense and you're like, holy shit, this team's really good. I am scared. That's not a perfect way to say it, but I'm just going from memory here. 
the first one I remember was your Vikings in 98, mm-hmm. where it was like, oh my God, this offense is incredible. Yep. And then ironically, I think it was the very next year with the Rams and Kurt Warner. Greatest show and it was on just turf. like, oh my gosh, this is absurd. Yep, greatest show and on And then turf. there were good offenses. I mean, I don't want to take anything away from some of those Peyton Manning Colts teams. But I feel like it wasn't again until the 07 Patriots where it was just like, yes. oh my God, I've never seen this before. Yep. That they're just torching teams left and right. And I'm trying to think. You know, I suppose we would say the Peyton Manning like record-setting Broncos year. That that was one, and, and I'm probably missing a couple others in there, but it feels like this could potentially be the one where, I mean, they were good last year, where it's just like, oh, wow, 70 points. And it was also without arguably, like, one of the five, or one of the ten best receivers in the league, Jalen Waddle, too. Yeah, that's a great he point. He didn't even play. Yes, yeah, he didn't even play. Uh, I'm looking here. I just want to see their schedule. So you have the Bills this week. I think that's, somehow the Bills are favored in this one right now. Um that's I mean yes, I, I can see why. Um Is it in Buffalo or in Miami? It's in Buffalo. Yeah, I would imagine Buffalo's gonna win that game. I think it'll be close, but I think Buffalo will win. I'm just looking at the rest of the schedule here. Uh the Panthers, uh you play the Panthers at home in October. I, I feel like they can win that game. I'm just thinking of like teams that they're gonna score like at least forty on. Panthers have a decent defense, but I think you can do that. Uh, the, like, the Bills game this weekend should be fun. If I remember right, their next big one, and I don't remember how far away it is, but they, I think they play Kansas City in Germany they, in, like, week 8, 9, or 10, somewhere in there. They do. That's November 5th. Uh, but there is a game before that that is big. It is at Philadelphia, October 22nd. Oh, right. I forgot about that Sunday one. Sunday night football uh the raiders come to town november 19th that's a team that you can easily score 40 or 50 on um yeah washington in washington they could do that the titans have a pretty good defense but they have such a terrible offense here i think the dolphins can do that uh yeah you're gonna put up a lot of points against teams i don't know if there's a 70 burger on the rest of the schedule but i think there are some potential 50 burgers that that uh, could uh, satisfy a lot of uh, appetites. That would be fun. And, you know, with the way Nebraska's played a lot recently, and, and even a lot of these Miami Dolphins teams, it is fun watching it and being like, oh, my God, this offense is so entertaining to watch. It's like, what are they doing? It's like, oh, well, they found a way to get Tyree killed the ball in space, and then he just ran as fast as he could, and he's still faster than everybody else. Just stay healthy. Just stay healthy. That's all that we ask for from Tua. That's the Dolphins version of Al Davis saying just win, baby. It's exactly. just stay healthy. Yeah, just stay healthy and it's just regarding Tua. Just stay healthy. Yeah. Tua not. Hey, Tua and then win Waddle and Hill, too. Oh, we that's need all true. three of those guys, but yeah. That is that is true. But you know, I mean, I say that, but they scored 70 without Waddle you, two days you ago. You know so. you can win without Waddle and you probably can win without Hill. I don't know if you can win consistently without Tua. You don't think Mike White will be able to lead him to the promised land? Mm, I don't, I don't either. He did put up 300-plus yards I was going to say, more fun stuff is that Mike White outscored many uh, quarterbacks in fantasy football, and he didn't even play most of the game. Yeah. Uh, I think Jets fans would really like Mike White back. I think they're a little sad with Zach Wilson. But that's neither here nor there. So, uh, Charlie, I always appreciate the time, my friend. Have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk soon. Enjoy the week of college football. Thanks. I will. You too, buddy. Thank you, Charlie. Talk soon. 
Charlie Hildebrand, kind enough to join me here on the Sports Block Podcast, reacting to the wild week of college football, plus looking ahead to some of next week's college football games. And, you know, he's gloating about his Dolphins, and rightfully so. And we're going to wrap up this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast with a look back at week three in the NFL and make some early picks for week four. So let's go back to week three. Began Thursday night in San Francisco. The Giants, no Saquon Barkley, uh, no Andrew Thomas, their left tackle. Uh, short week. They just barely beaten Arizona the week before. They got pummeled 30-12. to 12. Uh, more, They scored more points in this game. Was it, it was, what, 17-12 or something there for a little bit. So the Giants hung in there for a while, but ultimately San Francisco just way too strong. Brock Purdy wins again. 49ers win 30-12. to 12. Let's go to Sunday's games now. Uh, talked about this, Travis. Chargers beat the Vikings 28-24. Game back, but the, the Vikings secondary just got torched by Justin Herbert. They couldn't get there on blitzes at all. Uh, Keenan Allen, 18 catches, what, 215 yards. He threw a touchdown pass to Mike Williams, who did tear his ACL and is out for the year. But yet, Brandon Staley, the dumb ass that he is, I don't know how he's still head coach. Really don't. He Went for it on fourth down from his own 24. They didn't get it. The Vikings had a chance. They convert on the fourth down. It's first and goal. Instead of spiking it, the crowd was loud. Kirk Cousins couldn't hear it. It sounded like there was some issues with the the headset and the communication between him and Kevin O'Connell throughout the game. But certainly in this situation, he throws a pick. But it's a perfect, it's a great pass to TJ Hawkinson, who needs to make that catch. Uh, and Vikings ultimately lose 28-24 to remain winless on the year. Colts beat the Baltimore Ravens 22-19. I don't know what's more surprising in this one. The fact that Justin Tucker missed a 61-yard field goal. The fact that the Colts won with Gardner Minshew. Shouldn't be. Gardner Minshew is very good. Or Matt Gay, I think, made five field goals for the Colts. And three or four of them were from 50-plus, including the game winner. Fantastic job by him and the Colts. Get the 22-19 win. Browns clobber Tennessee 27-3. Uh, Miles Garrett was all over the field. What, three and a half sacks in this one. The Titans' offensive line is not good. Uh, but when you are moving two tight ends to wherever Miles Garrett is moving, that's a sign of ultimate respect. And like, oh crap, we're in a lot of trouble. Browns cruise to the win over Tennessee. Detroit Lions hand the Atlanta Falcons their first loss of the year. They beat the Falcons 20-6. Uh, good game from Jared Goff. Aiden Hutchinson was great on the defensive side. And Lions proved 2-1 on the year. Packers looked like they were going to lose their first home game of the year. They were down 17-0 to the Saints uh, in the fourth quarter. But Derek Carr had to leave the game with a shoulder injury. AC sprain joined. He's week-to-week, apparently. And Jordan Love leads the Packers on a furious comeback. They score 18 points in the fourth quarter and win 18-17. Thanks, uh, part to... The Saints rookie kicker missing a field goal wide right uh, with very little time remaining. Packers get the win. Houston Texans go into Jacksonville and beat the Jaguars 37-17. Texans have had the Jaguars number here. This is stunning how bad the Jaguars have looked thus far this year. Um, Andrew Beck, fullback, a 255-pound fullback or whatever, had a kickoff return for a touchdown. That kind of sums up the day, maybe sums up the season for the Jaguars thus far. C.J. Shroud looks the part for the Texans. He's playing great. The rookie quarterback did a, did a great job, and the Texans get the 37-17 win. 
Just talked about it with Charlie. The 70 burger that the Dolphins put up on Sean Payton and the Broncos. Oh, I feel so bad for Sean Payton. No, he's an asshole. I don't like him. No one really likes Sean Payton. Uh, but uh, Tua was great. Raheem Mostert had four touchdowns, two receiving, two rushing. Devin A. Chain had uh, f- four touchdowns as well. Just a complete butt whooping by the Dolphins there in the heat, 70-20. to 20. It was raining at MetLife Stadium. It was raining plenty of booze, a lot, and teeth uh, from some some Jets fans upset with the way Zach Wilson is playing. And the Patriots, they scored 15 points to beat the Jets 15-10. That makes 15 straight wins against the Jets. So, good win there for the Patriots to avoid an 0-3 start. They get their first win of the year. Buffalo beats Washington 37-3, and Washington scored three points at the very end of the game because they didn't want to get shut out. Bill's defense was all over Sam Howell in this one. He threw four picks. Not a good look for him or Eric Bieniemy. Bill's roll. Carolina Panthers at the Seattle Seahawks. Andy Dalton, the Red Rifle, got the start for the Panthers in this one. Kept the Panthers, or kept, yeah, kept the Panthers in this game throughout much of the game, but um, Kenneth Walker too much. Uh, Seahawks made a few more plays, and they get the 37-27 win. Upset of the week was definitely in the desert, where the Cowboys, favored by 12.5 points, lose by 12 to the Cardinals, 28-16. The Cardinals carved up the Cowboys' defense. Micah Parsons was non-factor. I guess he did have a sack in the game, but, I mean, the Cardinals ran all over Dallas. Dak Prescott threw a terrible pick in the red zone, as he seems to be accustomed to do doing so. And the Cardinals get their first win of the year, 28-16 over Dallas. Chiefs beat the Bears 41-10. It was a tumultuous week for Chicago with the defensive coordinator resigning, Justin Fields' press conference, and everything. You're, we don't care about that here. We care about love, and that's what apparently is going on, or what we hope. What we hope is going on between Taylor Swift and Travis Kelsey. T-Swizzle, please don't be uh, using Travis Kelsey just to, you know, promote yourself a little bit with the movie and stuff. You're already a star. Travis, you're a star, too. I hope this is a true love connection for the two of you. I'd like to see that happen here. Uh, He scored a touchdown for uh, 41-10. Chiefs beat the Bears. Steelers. Uh, beat the Raiders 23-18. to Steelers offense still not great, but the defense is. And Josh McDaniels, stop wasting Devontae Adams. He had a sensational day. And you go for a field goal when you're down eight, fourth and goal, with two-plus minutes left, what are you doing? Steelers get the win. And then Monday Night Football, Eagles beat the Bucks 25-11. to They dominated this game. Had a couple of turnovers. The offense still doesn't look great for the Eagles, but they are doing enough of the defense is all over the place. Baker Mayfield did not have a great game in this one. Eagles get the win. And then the Bengals, they avoid an 0-3 start. That most certainly would have meant the end of their season. But for all intents and purposes, they beat the Rams 19-16. Joe Burrow played. Played okay, but it was the defense that really made life miserable for Matthew Stafford and helped the, uh, the Bengals earn the win. Let's go to week four now here. Make some early picks. It's, uh, it starts on Prime Video Thursday night, 8.15 p.m. Eastern, 7.15 p.m. Central Time. It's the Detroit Lions at the Green Bay Packers. Remember, Detroit won at Green Bay last year in the last week of the regular season to keep Green Bay out of the playoffs. Green Bay is going to have Aaron Jones. They're going to have Christian Watkins. They're going to have their um, their weapons back. 
but I, I think Detroit's a little better. I'm going to take Detroit here to beat Green Bay. How about our first London game of the year? It's Atlanta Falcons against the Jacksonville Jaguars, 9.30 a.m. Eastern, 8.30 a.m. Central Time on ESPN+. I want to pick the Falcons because the Jaguars have been very underwhelming, but I just don't know if Desmond Ritter can throw it for that much against the Jaguars. I think the Jaguars go into London knowing what's what's expected of them. I'm going to take the Jaguars to beat the Falcons narrowly. A couple of winless teams, the Minnesota Vikings at the Carolina Panthers, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on Fox. If not now, when, Vikings, you should be at least, uh, you should be 2-1. You've got to cut the turnovers down. That's it. They're going to do that against the Panthers. Vikings get the win. Adam Thielen, though, will have a big game for the Panthers against his former team. Miami Dolphins at the Buffalo Bills, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on CBS. I want to pick Buffalo. I think they, sh- they should win this game. It's at home, but... Boy, Miami is is so good right now. I'm going to pick Miami. I don't feel very good about that, uh, but we'll ride with them. How about this pair of 0-3 teams? The Denver Broncos at the Chicago Bears, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on CBS. Which team has looked worse so far this year, the Broncos or the Bears? I'm going to say the Broncos, but I think the Broncos get the win. I think they're a little better than the Bears are right now. Bears seem to have a lot of dysfunction about them. Broncos get the win. Keep the Bears winless. Baltimore Ravens at the Cleveland Browns, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on CBS. The Ravens missed seven guys against seven starters against the Colts last week. Should have a few more of those guys back this week. But the Browns' defense is superb. I like the Browns to win a low-scoring affair against Baltimore. Pittsburgh Steelers at the Houston Texans, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on CBS. C.J. Stroud has looked great thus far for the Texans. That Steelers defense will be ready for him. They'll force a few turnovers for the first time this year against C.J. Stroud. I like the Steelers to beat the Texans. L.A. Rams at the Indianapolis Colts, 1 p.m. Eastern, noon Central Time on Fox. <sighs> Anthony Richardson probably not going to play in this one. I think the Colt. I think the Rams will get it. Will have enough to beat the Colts. I think uh, Kyron Williams will have an okay game. Uh, you still have Puka, uh, Puka Nakua. He's great. Aaron Donald will wreak havoc on the Colts. I like the Rams to win narrowly over Indianapolis. Tampa Bay Buccaneers at the New Orleans Saints, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on Fox. Saints have a great defense. Doubt they have Derek Carr, though. Does that mean Baker Mayfield has a decent chance? I'm going to say the Saints win a low-scoring affair against Tampa Bay. Jameis Winston going against his former team. That has some juiciness to it. Give me New Orleans over Tampa. Washington Commanders at the Philadelphia Eagles, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on Fox. Washington looked terrible last week against Buffalo. You going to do that against Philly? They'll eat Sam Howell alive. Give me Philly for the win in this one. Cincinnati Bengals at the Tennessee Titans, 1 p.m. Eastern and Central Time on Fox. Titans up and down, up and down. This is a game they probably shouldn't win against the Bengals, but that means Ryan Tannehill and company will win. Nope, not going to do it. Bengals get the win over the Titans here. Las Vegas Raiders at the LA Chargers, 4.05 p.m. Eastern, 3.05 p.m. Central Time on CBS. There will be far more Raiders fans at this game than there will be Chargers fans, even though it's a home game. I thought that maybe that would mean the Raiders would win, but their defense looks suspect. The Chargers offense is rolling right now. Inevitably, Brandon Staley will do something stupid in this game, but the Chargers will win in spite of him. Give me the Chargers there. New England Patriots at the, at the Dallas Cowboys, 425 p.m. Eastern, 325 p.m. Central Time on Fox. Cowboys going to bounce back with a win. I, I 
it's I'm hesitant to do that against a Bill Belichick coach Patriots team, but I'll take Dallas to get the win over New England here. If Dak Prescott struggles on this one, then the Boo Birds and the Doubters will really have a come calling. Arizona Cardinals at the San Francisco 49ers, 425 p.m. Eastern, 325 p.m. Central Time on Fox. 49ers are the best team in football. Arizona's played very well this season, given the expectations and the roster that they have. But the 49ers will trounce Arizona. Then Kansas City Chiefs at the New York Jets, 8.20 p.m. Eastern, 7.20 p.m. Central Time on NBC. Once upon a time, this looked great. Patrick Mahomes against Aaron Rodgers for the first time ever. It's not going to happen. Aaron Rodgers, of course, is out. The Jets' offense looks terrible. The Jets' defense is good, but Patrick Mahomes and Travis Kelsey and company will have a great time. Once again, well, I wonder if T-Swizzle will be at this game. Maybe she'll be tweeting about it. Do do something, T-Swift. Travis Kelsey, score another touchdown for your girl. Uh, Chiefs get the win here. And then uh, the very next night, we have another back-to-back night situation here at the Meadowlands. Remember that resulted in Aaron Rodgers' injury? Uh, well, we have the Seattle Seahawks at the New York Giants, 8.15 p.m. Eastern, 7.15 p.m. Central Time on ABC. Mm. I don't think the Giants win. Give me the Seahawks to win this one here going all the way across country. I think they get the win. And those are your week four picks. Official picks and predictions can be found in the stack. Stackattack, stackattack.sportsblog.com in our Football Friday post. Appreciate you uh, for listening to this week's edition of the Sports Block Podcast. Minor next week. Baseball postseason coverage begins. We'll have plenty of thoughts regarding that. Uh, Last week of the regular season here, so plenty still to be determined. Lots of college football, lots of NFL, so pay attention. It's a big big week, big weekend in sports. So we'll come back next week. We'll talk about it all. So for Travis and Charlie, I'm Nathan. Thanks so much for listening. Find the podcast on podcast.com as well as on iTunes. Just search Sports Block. Follow me on X at NDStackin. Uh, Charlie at C.E. Hildebrand, Travis Krenz at Travis Krenz, Facebook Nathan Stack, and a link to the podcast posted middle to later part of each week. Have a great rest of your week. Enjoy the fall weather. Enjoy the football. Enjoy the baseball. And we'll be back to talk about it all next week. So for Travis and Charlie, I'm Nathan. Thanks so much for listening. Have a great rest of your week, and we'll talk to you next week on another edition of the Sports Block Podcast.